Welcome to another episode of the Supplement Engineer Podcast. My name is Robert Chansky, the Supplement Engineer. Joining me, returning, making his glorious return to the show, the wizard, chief scientific officer, formulator for Glaxon, Mr. Joey Savage. How are you, Joey? I'm doing pretty good, man. This is fun. This is uh, this is the, the first time we had you on the show. It was me, you, and Justin doing a little roundtable, kind of getting the ins and outs of the brand and whatnot. Um, and this time, man, it's going to be all out nerd fest on some ingredients and whatever uh, the audience has to throw away. So thank you. It's been probably a little over a year since we've done this, but uh, you know, you and I stay in touch on the back end. But uh, how has everything been just for the, the listeners out there to just kind of catch them up to speed on everything? What's new with you, the company, how growth has been since y'all are coming up on your two year anniversary, I believe? Uh, we just passed two years. Yeah. So, you know, we've been alive for a little while since all of COVID. Um, but yeah, like it, if you paid attention in the last couple of months, we've been dropping a whole lot of different products coming up here to the end of the year with uh, probably the most highly anticipated was the protein, which we had talked about several times, but had never actually done. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I'm just glad we were finally able to get that one out because it was something that, you know, that we had been playing with for quite a while. We had already had the formula for a while and then you know, to be actually able to to give that to the people when they want it, you know, that was that was cool. Um, and then surprisingly, we had a vegan one too. Has there been? Have y'all? Did y'all get specifically? Like, I know vegan proteins kind of are starting to gain in popularity around the industry, but were was your customer constituency specifically requesting a vegan, or just y'all thought, hey, maybe we can grab a little piece of this this vegan craze market? Well, I mean, we we. It, we engineered the heck out of the way and we had a lot of like vegan proteins and stuff in stock and we're like wait a minute you know because because you know whey as you know has gotten more expensive with inflation and everything so as we were approaching that you know we were looking at different kinds of lead times and stuff and we're like well maybe we should just make a vegan too since we have all that stuff pretty much in the warehouse and you know try to tweak mm -hmm. it up and give you know vegans actually stuff that would you know help their diet out so we beefed it up with some B vitamins, some some extra EAAs with uh, the vegan fermented myoseek. And then um, in addition to that, we just gave them some iron and some B vitamins. Outstanding. How is the reception, man? I'm going to pull up the supplement facts bound so the listeners can, we can kind of do a, a step-by-step of the actual Vito, vegan protein. So let's start off with the name first, Protos. How did you guys come up with that? And uh, we can start going through the ingredients from there. So it was, it was the theme of it was when we were making it, it was all based on the way. And mm -hmm. we were thinking that we were going to make this product. It was going to be modeled after like, you know, human milk and everything. And mm -hmm. that's one of the first things that you consume. And, you know, protos is, is the, the Latin for the first, or, you know, it's, it's a beginning like a prototype or something like that, where it's like, okay, this is, this is our benchmark. And from here, we're going to, we're going to move on. So the name Protos is kind of like a throwback to the human milk concept. It's the first thing that you eat. It's the first thing that that first form of nutrition that you actually ever get in your life. So it was a, it was kind of fitting. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, from there, you know, it, the name was actually one of the last things. So, you know, we had the product concept and the name just fit. So we went with it. Outstanding. All right. So we got 23 grams protein per scoop. 2.5 grams of fat, 6 grams of carbohydrates, 1 gram of fiber. And the plant protein blend y'all went with was pea protein, pumpkin seed, watermelon seed. Um, and then we've got this myoseek vegan amino acid blend. So my first question would be, 
how much of the protein is coming from the direct protein powder and then the vegan amino acid blend? Is that a huge component of the added protein? And do y'all need to disclose like how much is amino acid free form versus what's actual uh, actual yield of protein in there? So that's actually free form amino acids that is completely separate from the protein value that you get. So okay. the if you were to test it out, you could test it for protein and all those amino acids would show up contributing. But we chose to keep that separate from the actual protein yield that was actually on the supplement facts panel. Um, and it calls it out pretty clearly on the label that you're getting two grams of myoseq per serving. So, you know, we're just trying to fill in some of those amino acid gaps that, that aren't quite, you know, completely fulfilled by the vegan protein profile. Excellent. I do very much like the inclusion of velocitol, which for the listeners, it's a, a complex of amylopectin and chromium that's been shown to enhance the muscle protein synthetic response to uh, suboptimal doses of whey, at least from the early studies. And I, you and I had talked about another study that came out on exercise performance, which I don't, I don't know if it something seemed a little off to me with that specific study in particular, but regardless, from the protein, like the protein potentiating effects, possibilities of velocitol, I think this is a like a no-brainer inclusion with a vegan protein blend or even like an essential amino acid blend. Right. And and the idea, I, I, the, the exercise studies, I'm on the same page with you. Like I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, when it comes to actually like increasing muscle protein synthesis, when you've got chromium increasing insulin sensitivity and you've got a, a low glycemic carbohydrate like the amylopectin from corn, that, you know, it's it's not a stretch to really think that those two things could actually contribute to increasing muscle protein synthesis because, you know, it opens the doors to, on, on the muscles to basically all this amino acid uptake. So it works out pretty well. Yeah. Would you think it would be redundant to include something like estrogen alongside velocitol in a protein powder blend? You know, it, you you could. Um, estrogen does have some, some substantiation there for increasing the absorption of peptides and free form amino acids. So could estrogen be in there? It could. It's just that, you know, when it comes to a protein and, and we have estrogen and God knows how many products, right? you know, so it's, it's already there and, and, and so many different things. If you're, if you're someone who takes Glaxon products, you're probably getting in, you know, 50, 75, maybe in some cases, hundred milligrams of estrogen if you're, if you're stacking multiple products. So. We figured that if you're if you're already in the Glaxon realm, that you know you're not really missing much because you're going to be getting estrogen probably from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Very very good point. All right, let's jump on over to the Protos Way. Um, Y'all launched with uh, you know one of the tried and true flavors of the industry, chocolate milk. First off, question: Is there um, other flavors in the works. And I guess we know that chocolate milk is going to be easily a big seller because everybody likes chocolate flavored protein. It, it, no matter what brand it's, it, every brand has a chocolate milk. So, um, with that in mind, you know, is what was, I guess the methodology behind launching with that flavor? And then are there other flavors in the works? There's definitely other flavors in the works. Um, so when we, when we decided to create this product, we wanted to go with an, an easy, friendly flavor that people would like. And most people in this world, they do like chocolate. And the concept of chocolate milk, you know, is, you know, ever all of this stuff is coming from milk anyway. You know, it, it's where it, it would be like the, the lowest barrier to entry. The other thing was, if we're going to do it, we got to do it well. So when we went and we, we flavored this one, we wanted to make sure that it was a very pleasant chocolate milk that it had a really good mouthfeel and that, you know, it's, it's something that people would definitely enjoy. 
so far the feedback on it is has been really good and it's not i don't even think it's really the flavor that's all that remarkable but it's the texture and the mouthfeel and how thick it is you know it's it's definitely something that's true to being a whey blend so going with that on the flavors yes we do have a couple more that are that are in the pipeline i actually just made samples one earlier today and you know we're, we're looking at potentially using some different kinds of inclusions in those flavors Mm -hmm. um, and maybe even bringing that into some of the chocolate milk too. But <clears throat> as far as it is right now, I mean, yeah, we've, we've got probably two different flavors that are planned for the protos way that are in the works right now. Um, and one for the vegan. Good deal with the ingredients. Okay. So we got whey protein isolate. We got micellar casein. Again, we've got the velocitol in there. Um, now, uh, the listeners might be seeing, or the, the people that are catching us on live stream and they look at the supplement facts panel, they say, all right, we got whey isolate and micellar casein. Those are pretty lean proteins. Where would these seven grams of carbohydrates, because most isolates or blends, we're looking maybe around three to five grams of carbohydrates. Now, seven grams isn't by any means breaking the bank. It's just that's slightly higher than the average. Is that due to the human milk oligosaccharides that you guys put in there uh, or some of the other stuff that's going on? Well, we got two grams of it at least coming from Velocitol. We have another 500 that is coming from the, the human milk oligosaccharides. Mm -hmm. So there's two and a half that are accounted for. Um, the other parts actually do come from the flavoring components. There is some maltodextrin in there, and that's just so we can keep our, our scoops consistently the same. Um, but, you know, I it, a lot of it is just really trace stuff that comes from the protein and everything. So like when I was going through and creating the supplement facts panel and everything, and going through the different, you know, nutritional composition statements for each of these different things, you, you find out that there are little like trace things and even like uh, the minerals where it comes to like iron and calcium and phosphorus and potassium, yeah. you know, those things also end up popping up too. And, and they add up over time, you know, depending on, on what you're looking at. Yeah. Is it possible that some of the proteins, other proteins that are on the market, just to what you were saying, like it, if you're looking at certain nutrition facts, you know, if it's below a certain threshold, you don't, you can list it as zero on the label. So technically if everything, if ever, each single ingredient that you're adding into a blend is below that threshold, it would seem like it would be zero, but in reality it could be, you know, three, four five. If you add up all the individual contributions of all those ingredients. Our rule was if it's less than 2%, you don't really have to put it on there. And I think that that's actually outlined in, in the, the CFR, mm -hmm. but you know, other than that, uh, this this panel is actually like one that we're going to obsolesce because we're going to move the whole thing over to a supplement tax panel so it can be a little bit more transparent and so everybody can see the exact dosages of everything that they're getting mm -hmm. um it's so you know more there will be in the future protos labels you'll get a lot more of a high resolution idea of what's actually going on in here can you touch a little bit on the milk fat globule membrane the neoshield that's something that i'm pretty sure most people have not seen in their protein powder before I like comparing this to micellar casein. So micellar casein is basically protein that is wrapped in, you know, phospholipids. It's it's kind of like a small cell-ish kind of thing that, that holds this protein together. And the milk fat globule membrane is quite the opposite. It's fat that is trapped by a big sphere of protein. Mm -hmm. And these things are usually found in, in human breast milk and they contain all kinds of different functional fats, most of which are phospholipids. 
Um, the fat content that you see on both of these, there, this one is actually about, I want to say two and a half grams per serving, that a lot of that does come from that micellar casein and does come from the MFGM. Mm -hmm. um, the milk fat globule membrane is another thing that they separate out when they're, they're creating whey proteins and it ends up, you know, being a waste product in, in one, on one hand, but, you know, it has applications in other hands. So we got the idea of using the human milk oligosaccharide and the milk fat globule membrane from infant formula. And that was another part of what we were trying to do is we were using these different infant formula components to try to make more or less an adult kind of like baby formula that does provide all these different benefits. Because yeah. when, when we were developing this, Michael had just had a second kid mm -hmm. and, you know, I had brought up, you know, that I used to throw like baby formula into my protein shakes and stuff back in college, just because when you look at the ingredient panel of an infant formula, you, you kind of get jealous because, <laughs> because they get things like arachidonic acid, they get DHA, and then they get these other bells and whistles like milk fat globule membrane and, and human milk oligosaccharide. Oh, cameo mm -hmm. appearance over here. Uh, so those things. Is that who's, I can't see who that is. My screen share. It's Michael. Sorry. What's up, Michael? How are you? I was just talking to somebody in here. But um, yeah, so yeah, Michael was having a second kid. We were looking at all these different kinds of like advanced infant formulas. And we were getting a few different ideas as far as like, you know, what could we do to, to beef this up and make this a little bit more interesting? Mm -hmm. um, and, and we shouldn't be jealous of babies, uh, with the exception of like the macronutrients. If you look at the macronutrients on like an infant formula, it's just loaded up with carbs and fats and it doesn't have that much protein. Right. So we decided that we were going to take these ideas from infant formula, bring them into a protein that had lower carbs and fats, but it had much, much higher protein. And then there was a, a, the third aspect of it is we wanted to mimic the types of proteins and the ratios of proteins that are also found in human milk. And that's where we came up with the, the 70 to 30 weight to casein ratio. And that's what's native to human breast milk. And there was a study, I think, that just came out maybe this month on looking at the 30 to 70 weight casein ratio and then flipping that. Because what you get in like cow's milk is you get that, that the, the 70, 30 to casein to weigh. And mm -hmm. if you flip that around, it actually creates a better insulin response. You actually have more activity from incretins like uh, glucagon-like peptide one, which is nice. So those things actually can kind of synergize with that velocitol to create a better, more anabolic response to your protein. Fascinating. And as to the human milk oligosaccharides, what benefit for digestive health, for immune support? What, what specific benefits, or I guess what the myriad of reasons you would include it in there? There's a little bit of both of those, but in addition to that, it also contains different um, uh, with residues of uh, sialic acid. And sialic acid is something that has also been shown to support cognitive function, not just in infants, but also in adults. Okay. To get pure sialic acid is quite expensive, but this was our most cost-effective way of getting to it. Yeah. And then y'all have, have stuck with the uh, 21 servings has become a, signature of Glaxon uh, formulas over the years. Have y'all gotten any kind of response one way or the other about uh, why not 25 or why not 30 servings just for the protein specifically? Because sometimes you'll see like 30 serving weight tubs or like the 52 like giant five pound tubs or anything like that. Well, I mean, 
this thing is it's definitely a premium protein and once again you know because if, if you're putting all these different things in it it's going to cost more money um so that's part of the reason on justifying the 21 servings the other part is just the straight up inflation that's been going on in the protein market i mean you're looking at a tripling uh, in cost of like whey protein isolate right now and that's that's our our headlining protein that we have in here so you know taking all that the e the economics of it into consideration, you know, 21 still fit. Uh, we we're barely even able to produce, you know, this this whole thing at 21 servings because the costs on it were just like so razor thin on our margin. So, you know, it was, you know, I had to I had to do a lot of pleading in order to get, you know, some of these ingredients in here to stick. Yeah, Velocitol in and of itself is not cheap. I'm not sure about Prohydrolase or the, the Neo Shield because I haven't messed around with those ingredients as much in, in uh, and pricing our formulas, but I know Velocitol is not cheap because most branded ingredients aren't, let alone all the inflation that you were speaking to for oh, yeah. isolate. Well, and then we also have a casein hydrolysate in there, and that was, you know, it, it seems kind of like mm -hmm. an oxymoron, you know, why would you hydrolyze something that's already slow digesting to begin with? Right. But, you know, when you look at like fractions of casein, and we've, we've seen this in, in things like, you know, vasodrive. Vasodrive is a casing fraction. Mm -hmm. um, even the uh, the peptidia that we have in our, our new GDA Zerion, that one's also a casing hydrolysate. So there's a lot of like small peptides that, that have some interesting biological value that you're not going to find really anywhere else. So, you know, so we, we looked at it two ways. If you want to get the super, super fast absorbing stuff, you can get that. But when it comes to the actual, you know, biologically active peptides, there's a whole circus of different things you can find in, in casein hydrolysate. Yeah, there's there's a casein decapeptide. Is that the is that the peptide dye or is there there's another ingredient I'm thinking of? Yes, maybe. that's the third one. That's um, the alpha casozapine, the lactium that we have in tranquility. That's it. Yeah, lactium. That's what I was I was thinking of. Yep. Yeah, casein so is a, is a wonder food. So eat your cottage cheese before bed, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. There we go. Jojo, fill my brain. That will uh not be any problem. Joey's gonna put your brain on overload. So. Does it have the ratio of isolate? Yeah, it's a 70 isolate to 30 casein. Yeah, which mimics that found in actual milk. Human milk, not yes. cow's milk. Yeah, yeah, human milk, not cow's milk. Sups on deck. Mitch, from, from Mitch to Joey, can you explain the benefits of English ivy? We've seen that pop up in a couple of things, most notably one of the new uh, gamer formulas you guys, or neuro formulas you put guys put out. So this one's become a quick favorite. Um, we'll, we'll probably see it show up in a few other products. But English Ivy has, you know, heteracocide C or hederogenin that you'll find in it. And it's it's a saponin-like compound. But one of the things that it's been shown to do mechanistically is that it's a triple reuptake inhibitor. When as a triple, I'm talking about dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. And all those things are really, really friendly, like neurotransmitters. So to keep those things abundant in your system was our, our goal to amplify the effects of the stimulants. So, you know, if you even take caffeine, for example, it's going to cause a subsequent release of these neurotransmitters. But in order to keep these things abundant in your CNS, that's why we've included Eng English IV. So you could do that in a couple of different ways. You could use like um, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor like hordenine, which, you know, we can't quite use yet again um or or things like aerogerensis or tyramine all those things work on on monoamine oxidase but you know that's just preventing the breakdown another thing you can do is prevent the reuptake so that way they're 
dancing outside the synapse a little bit longer and you can feel them for a longer duration. Yeah. And then there's not a ton of research specifically on hederogenin or I guess English IV extract specifically for this application. So how did you go about, you know, identifying the, the most optimal dose to include in this specific formula? And so, you know, for, you know, for the goon mode nootropic, I'll have 60 servings. So obviously it's going to be flex serving to where people can use two or three scoops, probably depending on how aggressive they want to get with their stim intake and everything. Um, so how did you kind of, I guess, reverse engineer back out the, the appropriate amount of hydrogenin that you wanted? Well, the thing is we we've used some, I wouldn't say it's optimal. I think you can actually turn the gas up on, on hydrogenin quite a lot. There were some restrictions because this, this extract that we're using is only 11% of the heteracoside C. So, you know, for every 200 milligrams, you're getting about, you know, 20 to 22 ish. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that, but I think it can actually go much, much higher. The other rate limiting factor on that would be the cost of the ingredient, which, you know, there's that, but if you're going to use it in a drink, you know, you have to consider this coming from a plant. And if your active ingredient is only 11% in there, there's only so much you can really put in before it starts affecting, you know, the taste and the flavor of the whole thing. Correct. Um, staying on topic with this. So we've got a full complex of the V vitamins to help out with you know, energy production, neurotransmitter synthesis support and whatnot. We've got some, the astrolyte blend, which, you know, is, you know, we've seen that pretty much across the board in a lot of, especially the pre-workout supplements, the hydration formulas, um, which astrolyte, just that product by itself, the apple flavor is phenomenal. I'll fanboy that for a second. Just say that is a, a phenomenally flavored product. It's um, sweet and salty. And that's what people, you know, want whenever they're sweating a lot. Yeah. Now, some of the dosages in here I'm, I'm intrigued by because, you know, and I've, I've told you this and Michael this, when Glaxon first came on the scene, you would kind of see some of these off the wall, not off the wall, but just less commonly used dosages or just they're in unique ratios. And at first I was kind of skeptical and thought, you know, what's going on? And then you start to use the products and you feel that they hit and they, they hit in very specific ways or stronger than you would be led to believe that they would. Um, you know, talking with Shane, uh, over at Stacked, he's really liked this formula. He said two scoops and he's flying on it. Now you're looking at it, you take two scoops, you're only getting about 500 milligrams of tyrosine there, you know, 600 and what is that? 750 milligrams of choline, uh, you know, 125 of caffeine. So, you know, what, where's, I guess the, the secret sauce into what's going on with all these, how can you get by with less than having like 2000, 3000 milligrams of tyrosine, some mucuna in there, you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine and all of that stuff. Well, I mean, when we were making this product, it was about something that could be scalably dosed and that, you know, if you really, really want to, you know, beat yourself over the head with this formula, you can dive in at four scoops. You can get, you know, your full 300 milligrams of caffeine or, or I think it's like 250 or something mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that, that you're going to be topping out there. You'll get an actual full 100% RDA of actual choline from the vitacholine that's in here. Uh, the tyrosine scales up to that's being a full gram of tyrosine. You're looking at mm -hmm. a half a gram of inositol and then the 400 milligrams of uh, the brain factor seven. So it was designed to where if you wanted to use this in, a, in, in place of like a pre-workout, you could go ahead and dive in with all four scoops and then you can have like this incredible experience. Or if you're someone who's like sitting down doing gaming for like a long period of time, 
that you could probably divvy up those four scoops over over a long session mm -hmm. or if you wanted to you could do two and then two later and we wanted to try to make this some sort of like a, a really versatile kind of like a, a gaming or productivity stack amongst this neuro 365 and hybrid so that way if, if you're really 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 into gaming you could end up taking these three different products at different in intervals over you know a six or eight hour you know period of gaming uh you will have to go to the bathroom a lot but you know your brain's going to be pretty much you know sharp as attack and on cloud nine at the same time so you know the doses on here they're a little bit deceptive because if you start you know adding where you've got two scoop level and you're like okay this is a little bit more clear and then you look at the four scoop level and you're like okay at four scoops this thing is a real banger delivering all these different ingredients at, at, at dosages you're more familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, you guys have had the cholinase blend out a couple times, which is a combination of choline bitartrate, alpha GPC, and CDP choline, um, and some of the other products in the line. What was the the rationale or the desire to go with purely vitacholine here as a as opposed to the blend of the three choline support agents? I wanted to have 100% RDA of choline. Uh, in in one product at least yeah. you know it's where we could really just hit that and be like look you know you're after this your cups overrun you know with choline mm -hmm. and i think it plays in really well with with like the neuro 365 where there's there's some sort of choline effects that go on there but it also ties in well with the brain factor 7 because that's another another ingredient that's been shown to keep acetylcholine levels abundant in, in the cns so, you know, it it also has like a little bit of acetylcholinesterase inhibitory activity like Huperzine A does. Uh, but I think it's it, it it does it with a peptide as opposed to, you know, being some sort of a, a strange bicyclic molecule. Good point. And I, I like the brain factor seven inclusion. I haven't seen that ingredient and in I don't know how long. Uh, the first time I ever came across it was maybe five years ago in neutral by uh, BLR. Black yeah. line research, I think, um, which that was another, you know, weird, not weird, but just one of those ones that you look at and you think, uh, was this really going to do much? And then you take it and I mean, you're, you're going really well. So I like the, that. And especially if you're taking two scoops here, you're getting the full 200 milligram dose of brain factor seven. Um, so I would like to see more companies, you know, get that into their formulas, at least at, at least at the hundred milligram level, if not higher. Uh, just because right. it's it does so many cool things and there's actual human studies to back it up too. A lot of them, like a shocking amount of human studies, not just like children, but like teenagers and adults and, and elderly and people with, you know, cognitive decline and stuff. It's it's pretty well researched amongst all those different demographics and is shown to work in all those different demographics. So I, I thought that that would be something different to bring to the, the gaming sphere that hasn't been done yet and that you know it you know that the people that would take the product could substantially benefit from mm -hmm. uh let's discuss inositol just uh briefly because we've seen that like, i'll see that in a lot of female like hormone support things but it also does have some nootropic benefits it's also a component in new level and nitrosogene from nutrition 21 so i guess what was your uh uh reason or purpose for wanting to put it in here specifically so with this particular product i wanted to have what what i would consider to be like our most comprehensive b vitamin complex that we've put together yet mm -hmm. um, and that's why you see the arcopholin in there too but you know inositol is one of those like orphan b vitamins where you know the once upon a time it was considered to be you know part of the large family of b vitamins but you know for whatever reason you know it, it was eventually pulled away from that and you know i it's really like a a, a throwback to that idea 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also potentially, you know, some foreshadowing into to further exploration into that realm as far as these, these you know, lost children of the B vitamin family. Excellent. All right, before we hop over to those, let's uh, pull over and make sure we're all caught up with the comments. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, there we go. The, uh, the Hederogen, and I'm gonna have to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Justin and I had talked briefly, and he said it had something to do with a uh, reuptake inhibitor, and I, I couldn't find anything, but it's because I was just searching for English IV extract, not the actual alkaloids that were uh, yeah. were going on in there. So That's the yeah. only way you would find it. Yeah. Uh, cottage cheese. On my top five food list, basically, I just eat like six to eight products, and that is all. It's as simple and easy as a way to go. Go straight to the thighs. all right let's transition back over to here and we'll go to neuro 365 um are both of these or and or either of these replacing adrenal or is that going to get a facelift and we're going to see that again i don't know if we're going to see adrenal again the idea was that we were going to create this 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 triple nootropic set where you've got hybrid neuro 365 and goon but recently, as like even as of today, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit of flack about discontinu- the discontinuation of Adrenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, one of the things is like Adrenal was like a real kitchen sink kind of formula. And, you know, it, it was doing a lot of things, but I don't know if it was doing everything that it could as well as it should. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring these worlds apart and take the stem part out of it and the B vitamin part out of it and, and put that really into Goon. Whereas like all the neurogenesis kind of stuff that I wanted to put into like a non-stim nootropic that, you know, you could feel, but you know, you could easily stack with anything else. Fair and that was, that was one of the major like hiccups of the adrenal is that it had, I want to say like a 225 caffeine level. Mm-hmm. And personally, I just don't like getting caffeine from all these different sources when, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to consume like 600 milligrams of caffeine a, a day. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I'm, a fan of mysterious drinks like this so you know i've you know i i do what i can to to minimize as much caffeine in my daily life as as i can because you know like so many people at home you know i'm i am pretty well dependent on it for on, on a daily basis yeah what's your typical caffeine intake you said you like to stay below 600 if possible do you do you verge up to the the five six hundred range most days no, actually, like I've been well below 400 for like the last couple of weeks, which has been pretty nice. Um, you know, and, and you realize that when you start playing with like the the different levels of, of caffeine and, and, and energy drinks for me, I mean, I'm a huge connoisseur of all the different ones that are out there. And, you know, 300 milligrams is great. But once, you know, you can find things that are 200 or even below 200, you know, you can modularly like change your dose. And if you're trying to, you know, wean yourself off of caffeine, then, you know, you can still get a little bit of caffeine in your day, but if you're just not taking in as much there, you're, you're not going to feel bad. You're not going to get the headaches and the brain fog and all that kind of stuff. As long as you keep trickling some caffeine into your body, you know, you're, you're not going to go through crazy withdrawals and stuff. So I've been able to take my, my 600 milligrams a day. And I think now I'm at like 370. That's not right. That's yeah. That's extremely. Uh, that's even below the. Uh, what is it? The FDA or the USDA recommended amount of not to exceed four hundred milligrams. Even though we've got data, you know, many milligrams higher than that is is safe. So. Yeah. 
All right, let's dive into Neuro365. Um, thought process behind this formula, and then we can kind of pick out some of the uh, the fun ingredients. So this, in, in my opinion, I was, I was going for something that was going to highlight long-term potentiation, which is the body's ability for your brain to, to connect to all the different neurons in this periphery in a much, much faster, like high bandwidth kind of way. And one of the things that supports that is the activation of BDNF. And you can do that through obviously a, a couple of different ways. Um, one of which is this new ingredient, Subroxy, that you know, you've probably seen a few times before. Um, Neurofactor, which, you know, everybody knows its story on BBNF at this point. Um, and then, yeah. And, and, and then using a standardized Bacopa this time where Adrenal didn't have standardized Bacopa. So mm -hmm. that's also helpful. And the lion's mane mushroom, which is known for its ability to cause some neurogenesis in the periphery more than it does in like the actual CNS. Yeah. And then backing that up with, you know, several different ligands that work on the NMDA receptor to still work in that direction and, and to try to promote more LTP. So it's, it's definitely something that kind of quietly works in the background, but, you know, over time, you know, that's why it's one of our 365 products. You can take it year round. And then, you know, I would say that if you really want to try this product that you would probably do about three bottles of it, and once you get to that 90 day point, you do your real reassessment as far as, you know, if it's helping or if it's not. Yeah, well put. Is the, the Bacognize, the forms I had seen were you typically standard to around uh, 45 to 50%, I thought, Bacocides. Uh, is this a different form or is, are you calling out one of the different standardization component sets within Bacognize naturally? So there's, there's, there's a couple different specifications and the 12% Bacopa glycosides is one of the latest specifications that they have. And it's not calling out, you know, just Bacocide A or, or B or, or any of those, but it's, it's keeping it general. And it's, it's, it's only saying the, there's these 12% Bacopa glycosides. Um, I am familiar with what you were talking about. So whenever I got the specifications on this, I was like, only 12% now. Okay. Um, but yeah. you know, I, I definitely wanted to have something that, that did have some, some studies and some backing behind it. So that's why we ended up going with this one at this dose. Yeah. Have you ever messed around with, uh, Synapsa, which is the other branded form of Bacopa? I haven't, I've only messed around with Bacognize either a standalone or in a couple of other nootropics that I've used regularly. Um, I didn't know if you had messed around with that one, if you have any anecdotes with that form. I haven't yet. I mean, we've gone with this one as far as, you know, our Bacopa for right now. Um, I'm not opposed to it, but it's just, yeah. you know, we've got a home for this one right here. Yeah, agreed. Um, something interesting that I thought, so I, I bought uh, a bottle of Subroxy from Nootropics Depot a couple of months back, and I was just messing around with, you know, different, just to see how it feels and what, if I put it to a typical ingredients that I stack it with and whatnot. And one thing I'm, I'm curious about, so one of the mechanisms through which aroxalin A or subroxy works is as an antagonist of GABA receptors in the brain. Theanine boosts levels of GABA in the brain. And so we got subroxy running counter to one of the main actions of theanine. So I, I guess let's kind of hash that out for the listeners. Like what's going to happen when you combine those two together? So the concept of a GABA receptor antagonist was kind of cool to me mm -hmm. because it's another way of like, 
in a weird way of like causing stimulation through right. through a, like a very backwards way of of controlling a different receptor. Mm-hmm. The theanine actually is in here because it also, in addition to GABA, works on metabotropic glutamate receptors, which are another one of like the receptor subtypes that will work with the NMDA receptor to enhance long-term potentiation. It's also there because too much jiggling of that receptor can cause excitotoxicity. So there's another reason to have theanine in there to mitigate some of that. Um, but, you know, it, it, the idea of antagonizing the GABA receptor, I thought was kind of neat. Um, so, you know, you may not want to take this with like a sleep aid or something because <laughs> you could be compromising the effects of GABA to some degree. Um, however, if you take it with something like tranquility, there's such a full on assault on the GABA receptor. I mean, like, you know, go, go nuts. Yeah. It's um, game over. <laughs> yeah. When we've got like, I think like four or five different things that are co-binding the GABA receptor at the same time, I don't think antagonizing, it's really going to put a dent in that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I. I thought that that was cool. Um, and, and I don't know if its ability to increase BDNF is even tied to antagonism of GABA, or maybe it is. Maybe it is because, you know, slow or, or turning off that, that slowdown signal might be something that speeds things up and keeps things going. Yeah. And then theanine's also got some mild or weak dopaminergic effects too, where it can, it's been shown to raise dopamine levels. So if it might make you feel a little happier in addition to the... Uh, and MDA stuff that you were talking about as well with it. especially with stacking like if, if you're going to stack this with something yeah. like, like goon mode for example where you've got the the p5p and the tyrosine that's already in there you know you've got that the stage is pretty well set for dopamine synthesis and, and release agreed sarcosine is another new kid on the block uh, at least in the ter- realm of nootropics in the sports nutrition industry that and, uh, people that are on the red set and the longevity forms and stuff or they, they populate nootropics depot. They're probably familiar with sarcosine, but for the, the normies in the sports nutrition world that have no idea what the hell this ingredient is, you know, what, what's its purpose here? What does it do? And, uh, you know, are we going to start to see this maybe pop up a little bit more? I mean, this originally came from like Patrick Arnold. Um, I would say around like 2011, 2012. When, when he came out with this deaspartic acid chelate, one of the things that, you know, he would always put in there alongside with whatever he was doing to target the NMDA receptor was sarcosine because sarcosine can also co-bind the, the NMDA receptor. It is a methyl form of glycine. You also have dimethylglycine that's in here. And then there's trimethylglycine we call betaine and hydrous and it's yep. a bunch of pre-workouts. So, you know, these are methyl group donors, and they're also things that are capable of co-binding the NMDA receptor as well. So, you know, the, the D-serine in this whole group is probably the most active ligand that we have of the NMDA receptor. We didn't go with anything like DAA or NMDA because those are a little bit stronger, uh, but the, you can go overboard with those a little bit easy. So we, we decided to go with D-serine, which, you know, uh, some have postulated this should be considered to be the endogenous ligand of the NMDA receptor with his co-binding friends, you know, sarcosine and dimethylglycine. So this is another one of those plays where it's like, we're going after one kind of mechanism of action, but we're using multiple components to do it. Gotcha. And then high level view, we've heard, we know acetylcholine, we've dubbed it the, ner- the learning neurotransmitter, dopamines, mood, motivation, feel good vibes, you know, reward seeking behavior, serotonin is feel good. Um, GABA is kind of the slowing, calming neurotransmitter. What does NMDA do for the listeners out there that may not be as uh, into the neurochemistry and neurotransmitters? 
NMDA is something that is it's it's exciting. It's an excitatory neurotransmitter that doesn't get talked about very much, but you know, it's it's something that opens up different channels on the actual neurons itself that that you know cause different changes in voltage. So you know, it's not there very much. And when it comes to like diet, dietary sources of like NMDA, the, I want to say the only place you really get that is like from oysters or, or uh, mollusks mm-hmm. uh, that it's contained in those. So, you know, it's not something that you really run into a whole bunch. I mean, unless you live somewhere in the world where you eat oysters or clams every day. You know, if you live in Alaska, you probably get plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, or uh, New Orleans during the, uh, the cold winter months when oysters are uh, prime time eating. Yep. Uh, the spicetin is an interesting wax tree. That's an ingredient I haven't seen before. Like, there's, you know, you always manage to surprise me. I told you this a couple of weeks ago when we were texting, setting this up. Said you, you know, as much as I try to learn, there's always like I, I can always look at one of your formulas and I go, son of a bitch, I got to look up another ingredient. I don't know what the fuck this is doing. So, what in the world is is you know this wax tree extract and what what benefits is spicetin spicetin given us? Uh, let me preface this with like I am a connoisseur of a very obscure antioxidants and and flavonoids and stuff that that you know can contribute in any way to my the the formulas that we're coming out with. Facetin mm-hmm. is pretty well like it's it's a top tier antioxidant, and it's got other different mechanisms outside of that. One of those is triggering adult neurogenesis, um, but another thing that it does is that it's a very very potent senolytic. And those things are starting to show up on the scene a little bit too. And there's there's a handful of different natural senolytics that we actually have access to. Um, but you know, facetin is is probably I would say like one of the top three when it comes to different senolytics. Um, I know synactive is is one of the things that as far as trademarked ingredients that are are going after that senolytic angle. Mm-hmm. But you've got to consider you know there's there's other usual suspects like curcumin is considered to be a senolytic, and so is quercetin. Um, but facetin is one that actually outperforms both of them and it does work on long-term potentiation as well. But, you know, I had it in there for, for the adult neurogenesis play a little bit for the antioxidant play, but you know, it's just a very interesting antioxidant all around. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've seen LTP blends in a few other nootropics and usually it's, it's a blend of forscolin, artichoke, and what's the third ingredient? I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I was going to say, so, you know, what's, uh, why uh, did you choose to go this route with it and maybe not go with some of more of the common players that we've seen out there? Well, because I, I had, you know, an address that I wanted everything to go to in, in the brain and everything. Um, I, I wanted this to be about, you know, what all the are the different things you can do for the NMDA receptor to make sure that it's well co-binded, that the excitotoxicity is a bit mitigated out of it, and where if you do trigger it enough that you can reap those those long-term potentiation benefits. Um, I've I've seen a few of those for skull and artichoke combinations in the past, yeah. but you know, I, I Siltep, that's what it was. Um, yeah. where but you know, this is just a different way of looking at it. And I kind of got the idea for making a nootropic like this back in the days when, you know, DAA and the the chelates and everything of it, you know, came out on the market. And, you know, that was almost 10 years ago now, where those types of testosterone boosters were where everyone thought that diaspartic acid was going to be like the next big thing. And it was for a minute and then and then it fell back into obscurity. Right. 
but you know there's there's still lessons to have been learned in, in some territory that you know really wasn't explored and when you, apparently when when you do trigger this it does cause a little bit of like a, a luteinizing hormone release from from the pituitary um other things around the N nmda receptor that are kind of interesting is that you know when you use pure and methyl deaspartic acid there was a, a study i saw in like monkeys where it chemically induced puberty signals to to come from their pituitary um so you know some of that was interesting but you know i was like well if you don't just hit it with a hammer if you just tickle it with like a handful of different things shouldn't mm -hmm. that work in other other areas and they were there were also studies you know talking about the use of nmda and exercises in psychology and exploring the concepts of what is called fear extinction where a learned and and behavioralized fear in, in a rat can be abolished through triggering the nmda receptor fascinating so could we we found the fear eliminator here is what we're getting at if we just trigger the nmda receptor strong enough i mean that's a double-edged sword i mean you don't want to lose all your fear that's true. Yeah. No one's going to go up and punch a lion and be like, 365. <laughs> Can't you tell? There you go. Uh, last but not least, Lipidox. Uh, I've seen this blend pop up in a couple of areas. Um, you know, in a couple of products y'all have done. Let's, uh, so the sunflower lecithin is given some fats to, I'm, I'm assuming, facilitate the absorption of some of the fat soluble compounds in these Correct. extracts. And then the ox bile, what is that? benefit is that providing so what we have these these are in dr caps anytime you usually see our lipidox combination that it's going to be a dr cap that is going to be delivering these things we deliver these phospholipids and 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 these cholestic acids i guess you could say because there's a whole family of them mm -hmm. um that are there for the spontaneous formation of small micelles and chylomicrons so you can actually get absorption into the lymphatic system instead of the blood because you know if you think about it, there's actually two ways you can get into circulation. One is to go to the blood, but then it, in order to do that, you've got to go through first pass metabolism through the liver. There's several different point checkpoints along the way where whatever you're consuming can get kicked out. So, you know, I, I call Lipidox like the, the poor man's liposome in a way, because, you know, you're, you're setting the stage for the spontaneous formation of these micelles to occur. And then these things can also get absorbed into the lymphatic system too, where they're tapped into it's 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 like the the body uses the lymph kind of as like it's it's a it's garbage dump in a way if, mm -hmm. if your body's trying to get rid of something usually these compounds will end up going to the lymph and they'll end up getting excreted or you can use it in the other way where you can actually feed things into the lymph and get things dispersed throughout the body by just using that system that's more fat soluble in the first place mm -hmm. one thing are you mentioned the poor man's liposome and so that's one way where we take something we you know envelop it you know these fun little fat molecules and it's going to help kind of it's going to enhance its transition through the digestive tract and ultimately enhance its absorption and the, with the thought that you're going to get a greater payload and effects from the ingredient is merely so how is the lipidox in here is it added to it do you all buzz it around and like blend it all together specialized how and is that i guess building on the point where you're saying this, this spontaneous formation of these compounds to where they're just going to kind of meet up and these lipids are going to protect it and help these compounds get taken up a little bit better. It's not so much in the blending where the spontaneous formation is to occur, but mostly in the actual intestine itself, because there's different, you know, mechanisms and stuff that will actually 
cause that to happen. And if it doesn't happen with like phospholipids from sunflower, it'll probably happen with like dietary fats where, you know, you don't have something that, you know, has, is, is complex and has, you know, two fatty acid chains, or maybe it's just a, a straight up linear fat from something that you ate. And that's part of the natural process and how things get absorbed through the lens. So by just providing these different things, um, mm -hmm. also with the ox bile with, and, and you know, the ox bile has several different cholic acids in it, and even one of which is like Tudka, um, that, you know, right. these things actually help the stability of the, the, I guess you could say the micelles themselves as they're forming in, inside the, the gut. Right. Excellent. Okay. TH, how would you say that? TR Hitman? We'll go with that. Interested to hear Joey's thoughts on sports performance products. I love the Astrolite. Yes, that, me too. When playing footy, rugby league, stack, Astrolite, Cluster Dextrin, Chemex, ATP. Ooh, we don't, we don't mention other brands here when we're, we're interviewing another guest. That's no, I'm fine. just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, why aren't you using Galaxon's ATP enhancing formulas would be my question. Uh, Creapure, D-ribose, Ornithine, Elevate ATP as my during sports stack, um, and Peak O2. I think that's actually a great stack for rugby. Yeah. There's nothing you're wrong with that at all. No, you're supporting ATP production from multiple facets along the way. I mean, maybe you could throw some uh, synactive in there or something for the, like, upregulating the citrate synthase enzyme activity. But Or even BHB, you know, if you really want to go all out on your ATP production. Um, no, I think that's actually a really fine combination for doing rugby, especially, I mean, you're going to be sweating a lot. You're going to be wanting a whole lot of ATP. Um, you know, I would probably say that since, you know, rugby is, it is intense and there is lots of times of peak intensity, but you know, another thing you have to consider is also like the duration of the game as well. So I, if there's anything you could do to do more stuff for endurance, I know you got that Pico two in there. But, you know, BHB would be an option. Phosphates would be an option. If you actually do fairly, I would say, low to moderate dosages of nitrates to actually, you know, increase mitochondrial output by, you know, 15-ish percent, well, you know, I would probably look at doing something like that, uh, depending on, you know, how much mineral you can actually take on. Because, you know, between if you were doing like sodium or potassium nitrate uh, with like you know, dipotassium phosphate or something like that, you're going to end up coming to a point of, you know, you can only take in so much salt before you have diarrhea. So I think what you have is good. And so, yeah, do you, do you think high-level athletes put that much effort into elite supplementation? Probably not. It could probably do a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, if there was someone, it, like if I was in charge of a sports team, I would have people on all kinds of different stuff, you know, and it, them training and, and seeing that the results, you know, in real time would be kind of interesting to see if they could actually like imagine Patrick Mahomes on specimen yo-yo. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it would be too much for him. You know, he would, he might just get a little bit too rowdy throwing balls and everything. And, you know, might make some split decisions that aren't quite as good as if he were to hold back a little bit. Yeah, but yeah I agree. If, if a lot more of these professional athletes took their, their supplementation regimens a little bit more seriously, I, I think it would be really compelling to see how that would play out. One thing I've got to, you know, we, we hear so much, and especially from, I'm talking other supplement brands, or just the supplement industry in general, hypes up cluster dextrin and some of the other designer carbohydrates as the be all end all, you know, rapid digestion, 
you know, high molecular weight, low osmolarity, goes through the GI tract real quick, doesn't cause GI distress, uh, promotes a more stable blood sugar. Yet we see all these high-level athletes, the NFL players, NBA guys, even, you know, UFC fighters, the drinking Gatorade, Powerade, they're still kicking the shit out of everybody. Is cluster reduction really necessary? Like, is cluster reduction actually going to confer that much benefit? Because we hear all the bros in the gym and, you know, the, especially the ones that are backed by supplements companies saying, this is the only carb I take because XYZ carb is, is messing with my stomach and whatnot, but doesn't seem to be bothering, you know, Drew Brees, Jerry Rice, who wasn't bothering any of these guys. And it's, you know, it's still going. I don't think any of those guys, you know, care as much. If they probably had the option to have clustered extrin and, and they could take that instead, I think that that would probably be fine and that they may actually get better benefits from it. But, you know, if you're out there and, you know, and consider that these guys aren't chugging a 20 ounce Gatorade on the sidelines, you know, all at right. once, but, you know, they're probably doing maybe two ounces at a time, you know, just doing it slowly but surely throughout the game and everything. And yeah. those carbs are getting burned up quick, like super quick. And, you know, it's, it's not going to cause any, any bloating or anything like that because they're, they're, you know, taking their two ounces and they're back out there moving. And by the time they're back to the sideline for another, you know, shot or whatever of Gatorade that they've already burned through what they just consumed. Yeah. Compare With, that to like a, the 25 grams of like cluster dextrin at the beginning of a game. They may not be going back to the sideline as frequently for, for more hydration. That's, that's a very good point. Um, switching from the fast twitch sports to something more of like an endurance sport where you're going to probably be consuming between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates every hour that you're going about doing stuff. And obviously, you know, your body can only absorb so much glucose or, or dextrose at any one point, And you want to throw in some other carbohydrates. So you're going to throw in some fructose there so you can get benefit from that. You put in some electrolytes, obviously, for that reason. Maybe a little caffeine to ramp up the process because even, you know, combining those three has been shown up intake or enhance the uptake of those, you know, uh, sugar molecules a little bit better. Does adding, you know, even minor amounts of something like a slower digesting carb, so say we have something like 20 grams of glucose, 10 grams of fructose, would it serve any benefit to throw something as, you know, little as two to three grams of something like brown rice powder, brown rice syrup, or like a mod carb or a carb tin in there? Or is that just, is that just more window dressing? Do you think? I think that would be a little bit more window dressing. I think you would want to see something that's, it's probably a little bit more even keel across the varying levels of glycemic index across the carbs. If you're understanding the intensity of that endurance exercise you're going into, if you want to have something that they, what you would create would be like more of a time release carbohydrate that, you know, you would want to have substantial amounts of all the different characters. And the, the recipe you just said with that glucose fructose combo is I've, I've actually used that combo before and it's, 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 it's pretty good um, because, you know, and, and the brain is specifically very, very hungry for fructose. It, it prefers fructose over most other carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're, you're, brain and your, your highly mitochondrial-related cells, you're going to end up going through that stuff probably first before it, it taps into the glucose, then taps into your, your, your slower digesting carbs. So if I were going to go that route, I would, I would pick something that, that is a wide, kind of like the protein that we're using, where you've got a variety of different sources that are going to kick in at different times. Yeah. But is there I, a minimum amount of carbohydrate you think? Cause I mean, I was just looking through the, the different, and I'm not an endurance athlete by any means, but I was looking at yeah. the different, um, endurance 
intra-workout and pre-workout carb supplements on the market because I had a question just from a, a podcast listener saying, hey, I'm an endurance athlete. I want to check out some of these. And you see, like, so do you think there's a, a bare minimum threshold that you need for some kind of carb? Like, is it five grams? Is it 10 grams? Because some of these formulas have, like, a gram of sweet potato powder in it or, like, uh, brown rice powder. I'm thinking that's not really going to do a whole hell of a lot in my opinion, but maybe I'm missing something. No, um, no, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think like the entry level for endurance athletes when it comes to carbs is at least a 25 gram shot of maltodextrin. I mean, that's something that's commonly practiced among several different endurance products. And when it comes to that, you know, it's, it's another one of those situations where you've got an athlete who's rehydrating fairly frequently, at least about like once an hour or so. So they can take something like straight glucofructose or even malto. And as long as they're recirculating that over and over again, they're going to burn at the same rate as long as they keep refueling. So I think the, the advantage in probably using like a carbohydrate blend that is more time release like that would be only so they wouldn't have to be consuming as much fluid over and over and over again. But the addition of things like salt, like a lot of the glucose transporters that are inside the gut, a lot of them are sodium or, or, or sodium chloride dependent even, where, you know, if, if you've got that in there with your carbohydrate blend, it's just going to end up working a lot more efficiently and having those carbs absorbed faster. Good points. Very good points. What would your ideal Glaxon sports stack be, Joey? I guess we can, we can restrict this to the products that are currently in the lineup, unless you want to leak a teaser about maybe some other products that might be coming out in the, in the first quarter of 2022, maybe. You know, I don't know. I'd have to think about this one for a little bit. I think, I think, you know, we, we have a creatine product that's coming out that, that hasn't been mentioned yet. Um, it's not, it's not the creatine product. It is, it is a creatine product, kind of like how Dr. Creatine was a creatine product. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that one's just, you know, that one was kind of innovative because, you know, we're avoiding the stomach at all costs kind of thing. Um, where a lot of people say that they've, you know, get their, their GI issues for taking creatine, which mm -hmm. I kind of thought was laughable at first, but you know, it just made sense to put that one inside of a capsule. We have another creatine that's coming out that's backed up with a little bit of electrolytes. It's not the creatine product that I want to make. Um, you know, but I'm pretty sure that that one's going to be six months or more out depending on once again, supply chain or creatine issue availability is Absurd. Yeah. As, as bad as you think uh, whey protein prices are, listeners out there, creatine is is fucked. <laughs> right oh, yeah. That's six hundred times nicely. it's gone up in cost. Yeah. You know, and it's it's first come first serve when it comes to the creatine market now. You know, it's like pirates on the high seas. You know, effectively stealing people's purchase orders from shipping containers because someone else paid more money for it. Um, you know, it's 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 cutthroat in the creatine market right now. Um, but I would, I would say some sort of creatine. We don't have any kind of carbs right now, but we do have hybrid, which is a combination of carbs and ketones, but it's mostly ribose based on the carb side of it. Um, and then as far as recovery is concerned, we've got Xeno amino, um, the protose whey protein is probably what I would suggest for that, but that's on the recovery side of it. But as far as like performance during, you know, I would say moderately intense exercise. You're talking like a rugby game or a football game or, or doing some sort of like cycling race. We don't have anything that really like fits that perfectly just yet. Um, it's something that I would want to tinker with, maybe some sort of a mixed carb kind of blend or something like that. But, you know, it's it's 
the endurance athlete crowd is is interesting. They're gonna they're kind of finicky. They're very brand loyal to other supplement brands that have already been in that space for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they they definitely question a lot of new things. If you think like a bodybuilding coach is tough on what they can and cannot take, or what they tell their clients that they can and cannot take, if you see an endurance athlete coach, they're even more oppressive. So you know, introducing yeah. something new is not something that they're very 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 open to. Um, outside of like carbs and electrolytes, there's not a whole lot of options, even though there's plenty of innovation that can be brought into that particular category. Agreed. Weaning them off of the 500 milligrams of beetroot powder is another thing because the nitrate uh, composition or density or uh, percentage that's in standard beetroot powder is so minuscule, you're, I don't think you're getting much of any benefit from it whatsoever. No. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want to chug 16 ounces, you know, 500 mils of, of beetroot juice. Yeah, there, there might be something there, but 500 milligrams, I'd say even probably a thousand milligrams of beetroot powder is still not really. What perplexes me is their willingness to consume beetroot juice and beetroot powder. And yet when it comes to actually taking like a live nitrate, you know, that's scary to them. Yeah. <laughs> the wonders, the wonders. Jonas Pop, I hope I'm saying that right. Can you please explain bovine bile in alpha it's the one ingredient holding me back from trying it so this is the ox bile we talked about earlier and it has a role to play along with the sunflower lecithin that's also there in the lipidox blend and that's so you get better absorption of all the different like fat soluble components that are in this product and once again alpha is also in a dr cap and that's why you see this lipidox actually coming in there um so you know if if you've got a, a spiritual reason by for for not consuming you know bovine i understand that you know and and there's we could maybe find some sort of other source of of cholestic acids that are that are in combination out there but you know as far as what's commercially available right now i mean bovine bile is pretty much it right now um so this is a component that helps with the spontaneous formation of micelles in your gut and actually helps the absorption of fat soluble components into your lymphatic system there we go. Uh, this is a quick hitter. We touched on this. Kajetan? 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 I'm sorry. I'm butchering this name. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Either way, thank you for your question. Why did you include Vitacoline in goon mode instead of the standard uh, GPC CDB choline? We touched on this briefly, but uh, you can recap it real quick, Joe, if you want. I wanted to hit 100% RDA of choline. So that actually pairs well with the Brain Factor 7 uh, because it, it also can keep acetylcholine levels pretty high in the CNS. Um, but, you know, this is the most cost-effective way to hit 100% RDA of choline. If you try to do that with alpha-GPC or CDB choline, it would cost a whole, whole, whole lot of money. Um, so, you know, this was the easiest way to do it. Um, but we still used a trademark version of it, and we used a proper isomer for it. Uh, it's just that we chose to do that here in goon mode instead of going with the, the three different forms of choline. There we go. Hitman, in Australia, here are all the water-approved sports ups, dog shit. I feel like it's such an open market to be maximized. Whereas bodybuilders are much more switched on with their supplementation. It's probably referencing back to the, uh, well, bodybuilders are also on a whole lot of other pharmaceuticals. That right. <laughs> I don't know how much the supplements are actually benefiting them one way or the other. There's, you know, there's natural bodybuilders out there that do have like extensive supplement regimens. I would make the argument that even pro bodybuilders out there who are on gear have a pretty extensive supplement regimen because you kind of have to. 
with all those different risks that you're taking, you've got to, you know, take double the amount of safeguards, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff to your body. Yeah. The water approved supplements, I feel like half of them that go through the certification process and everything are just a very weak underdose, unfortunately, uh, kind of a scam. Um, or there's something that's just not innovative and not compelling. So, you know, if if you're you're taking products from a company that's really like hanging their hat on the whole water approved thing, you're eventually going to graduate out of that category at some point in time and explore, you know, outside of that. If you're worried about the risk of, you know, something coming up on a drug test or a banned substance or something like that, you should know more about your supplements to begin with. So, you know, if you don't understand these these WADA approved supplements pretty intimately and, and, you know, what they're doing for you, you know, you're not ready to move on to the next level. However, if you've already understood very well what all these different substances are doing in your body that are WADA approved and you want to explore something that maybe it's not WADA approved, but, you know, it's, it certainly doesn't contain any banned, banned substances, you need to know what you're doing as you go into it. Knowledge is power every time agree uh listeners you got any other questions for joey or glaxon's products feel free to fire them away um we're gonna see if we can keep joey on till midnight it's either he's gonna fall asleep his bladder's gonna burst or uh you know something something bad will happen lifestyle having what does your lifestyle look like having so much knowledge to optimize all aspects of life do you spend most of your day inside working or are you out and about heaps and training a lot so the only reason I don't just like completely explode and get fat probably is because I do have a shitty diet. Um, so if you want to talk lifestyle, it's a whole lot of supplements, a <laughs> shitty diet and lots of hot yoga. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of purge my body doing hot yoga probably two to three times a week, you know, just trying to, you know, I, what I'm doing is I'm repenting from my sins of my past <laughs> is what I'm doing. Um, and, and until you do a whole bunch of hot yoga, you don't understand. But like if, if you're like a strength athlete, you know, you've gotten decently strong and stuff and you go do like a, a 60 minute session of hot yoga, you will suddenly become intimately aware of all the different times you never stretched before you lift. Uh, and, and, and you really feel bad about this entire aspect of your physiology that you've just denied the entire time. So, you know, there's, it's one thing to flex. It's a whole different deal to stretch. And you might go into yoga, find out that, you know, your hamstrings are just completely tight and they're, they're not stretchy at all. That was, that was one of my pain points. And then how that ties into like hip and, and, and the whole pelvic girdle flexibility, the pelvic floor, and how that all ties into the lower back. And, you know, you may want to consider doing something like that at least once a week. Because, you know, you could you could say it's like an active rest day or whatever, but it's to make up for all that stretching that as like a lifter that you never paid attention to in the first place. Are you going to a hot yoga studio or do you have some kind of like sauna set up at the house or I don't, I don't, I don't know your living arrangements, but There's do you have like a hot sauna that you, you can go and do it? I've got a lifetime that's down the street from me and I really like their yoga studio and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they are not shy about cranking up the heat on there up to like... I don't know, like 90, 90 plus, you know, getting it pretty, pretty hot in there, even if it's like the middle of summer. Gross. M my favorite thing is just to take a whole bunch of thermogenics and go into that thing and just see how much sweat I can just drop in, in you know, one hour. And it's, it's brutal. You serving know, a slice and a slur serving of thermal. Absolutely. 
without a doubt, you know, doing that, going into a hot yoga session, it, it's, it's, it's very humbling when you're in a downward dog position and you feel the sweat run down your entire vertebrae, like it's a little river, but then you realize that that's probably coming from your butt crack and it's falling off the top of your head. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Is it, is it a lot of, so, I mean, I've done yoga here at the house doing like a couple of different like yoga DVDs on, on my off days and whatnot. Is it more of like a power yoga kind of thing where it's mo a lot of moving vinyasas and a uh, thing I'm like that, or is it more? So, yeah, I'm, I'm a vinyasa fan and I, I, you know, there's sometimes where I'll do, it's like a yin style, you know, feminine, divine feminine style yoga where you'll hold the position for like two or three minutes and you yeah. just like breathe in and out of that position and just try to get that stretch deeper and deeper. But as far as like my number one, yes, the, the hot vinyasa is my jam where you're moving pretty much the entire time, whether it's on the ground or standing up or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what is, uh, you see, you said your diet is pretty crappy, but you do take a lot of supplements. So let's, let's hit those two things. What's, what's a typical daily diet for Mr. Savage like, and then what supplements are you taking to, uh, promote health and support health. We can't say cure uh, uh, alleviates anything. We're just going to say supports health. Um, so Zerion, like our GDA, this is like a constant thing, like an everyday kind of deal. Um, I mean, if you want to pull that one up, we can talk about that one too. But, yeah. you know, we took a different approach on GDAs with this one because we thought the category was like saturated with a lot of the same stuff over and over again. It's kind of boring. So we wanted to do something different. Um, that and overall cardiovascular health and cellular health. Um, I take, you know, liposome ubiquinone. I don't take ubiquinol because I'm younger and I feel like, you know, I think in some cases oxidized CoQ10 is a little bit better than, than reduced. Um, I take a lot of, uh, you know, NMN. I take things to stop the breakdown of NMN like quercetin and apigenin. Um, yeah, here we go. So this is some of the idea. Um, the, the NMN that's in here is just part of my whole NMN regimen because I have access to this stuff. I can actually come in here and get like a, you know, a two gram spoon of NMN and throw it into my drink in the morning. So, you know, get to do the luxurious dose. Um, but is you this know, the NNB NMN that they have out or is that a different, is this a different yeah, this is the NNB? Okay. So this is the bio NMN that comes from NMB nutrition and you know 250 milligrams is great if you can get higher than that you're spending more money but you know the more the merrier when it comes to to nmn uh you know and if you're you're taking a few other things like i play with other things like you know different sirtuin modulators at the same time because that feeds into the same loop because you know the whole sirtuin system is is dependent on nad levels so what what the sirtuins do is they take in nad they'll convert that into nicotinamide which ends up you know causing a negative feedback loop on the sirtuin again so what we're trying to do we've got a, an upcoming product i think this is launching soon but it hasn't launched yet um nad synergy that that works on preventing the breakdown of nad on two different levels while supplying more nmn um so some of the longevity stuff is, is you know got my attention cardiovascular stuff i take mushrooms every day and pretty high dosages i do about three grams of mushrooms a day uh just to keep my immune system in check mm -hmm. and keep it vigilant especially during these times um what else i i do garlic oil because I yeah that's gnarly tasting 
Oh my god, I can open the bottle and it scares away vampires pretty quick. <laughs> um, and I got the oil because you know you can get like garlic tablets and stuff, but you know what you really need is usually what is like a, a vaporous type of compound like Allison, where right. you know when you cut into an actual piece of garlic, you'll smell it, and that's actually what can provide you the the health benefits. But you know you, what you would have to do is you'd have to like crush up this garlic do like a steam distillation and catch the vapors that come off and that's how they end up making garlic oils they catch all the vapors and they put it into a soft gel and it is it is a profoundly stinky bottle i get the the solgar one from vitamin shop it's like ten dollars and and you get like 250 of these soft gels and you can do whatever dose you like the most i've done is about five of those soft gels a day for a couple of months it's a yes. very interesting transition process as it clears so. higher gut. Is it aged garlic extract or just is it just fresh garlic? Because there's there's they contain the same compounds, but like the aged garlic has a metabolite of allicin, I believe, and just a different concentration or ratio of some of the other bioactives. I would I would think that younger garlic would probably contain more of the organosulfur compounds because mm -hmm. the longer it ages, you know, the more the vapors can trail off and then you're going to be left with not as much in the end. Right. I've seen, you know, the, the fermented and the aged garlic and all that kind of stuff. But like if my rule is the stinkier, the better, because if it stinks to high heaven and, you know, you can get the deodorized garlic, but you're getting pretty much everything but the good stuff. Right. You know, what you do want is, is the smelly, smelly sulfur compounds. And they exist in more places than just garlic. You can find it like horseradish and wasabi and like anything is that's particularly like pungent and spicy and that kind of like sulfury sense where those things can work on like your histone deacetylase enzymes and stuff and keeping your chromosomes all protected. Uh, or they can just provide an anti um, antimicrobial effect because bacteria do not like sulfur at all. So it'd be beneficial to have something like MSM too. As MSM. like so we, we typically think about for that for like joint support, but could could that almost be like a immune support agent as well? I mean, if you consider like all the different dietary forms of sulfur, yeah, MSM definitely fits in there. And the, the good thing about MSM is it doesn't smell as bad. And you can actually do quite a few grams of it and not have any kind of like negative effects on like your body odor or anything like that. Right. Interesting. How would you go about dosing this? So three capsules, three times a day. You know, would you take if all you three capsules at once? Just because I'm wondering about the, the glucovantage. Would that almost make some people go hypo? Well, I would think that it would. Um, I've actually done three capsules at once it, 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 several times, and I've never gone hypo with, with either the 400 mics of chromium or the 300 on the glucovantage. Mm -hmm. Um now you could do three capsules three times a day that would knock the the serving size on this to like maybe 10 days worth or you know if you want to you know 300 milligrams a day is what you're looking for on glucovantage so you're looking at it as like a cumulative effect so you may want to take these capsules you know maybe 15 minutes before you eat you know just before you're going to consume any type of food or carbohydrates in order to make those those you know glucose molecules try to go toward the muscles instead of becoming fat um but yeah i i haven't experienced hypoglycemia yet on this but you know i've never i haven't given myself a good enough challenge or, or gone full empty stomach and just tried to ride it out without eating yeah. so you know it, it's to be determined on that but the other cool things about this product is that the milk protein hydrolysate the peptidia this is once again 
you know, more peptides coming from milk that have been clinically studied to have different effects. Part of it isn't the is uh, inhibiting alpha glucosidase in the gut, so less glucose gets absorbed. The other part of it is stimulating the uh, activity of, of GLP-1 again. So, you know, that was one of the things I mentioned with Protus Way that we're kind of triggering that with our weight casein ratio. Mm -hmm. But this specific peptide right here also works on GLP-1. So that does create some sort of like a insulinotropic kind of response. It is beneficial to increasing glucose absorption. But playing with GLP-1 is just one of those avenues that, that people really haven't explored much with GDAs. So, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to do here with this one. Outstanding. Uh, let's check out the price on that. 75. All right. That's more reasonable for a longevity supplement. This is obviously without any discount codes that y'all offer or affiliate yeah. codes or anything like that. I've it's seen some other longevity supplements that are like a hundred, a hundred and fifty dollars. Shane tossed us one last week. God, I don't, it was a New Zealand brand or an Australian brand, I think. And it was just some kind of probiotic thing or some shit. And I kid you, the thing was like $150. It was, it was absurd. Um, now there are some products like that. Very few that are legitimate. Right. Um, I, it's still, the price isn't legitimate. There's, there's a product out there that has an all-star cast of scientists behind it some of which i i know from some of my other work that i've done mm -hmm. and you know you you see who's on that board and everything and it's like geneticists and stuff from harvard and you're like okay like what what is this all about um and they have like this one clinically studied strain of probiotic that's supposed to be like super awesome as far as you know being able to check your your hb1ac numbers after the 30-day trial of this product and you find out that you know it actually has a significant impact and usually when you see a price like that you know you're looking at something that may not just be an otc dietary supplement but it may also be regulated as a medical food and it actually can be prescribed by doctors which is a completely different set of hoops to jump through outside of regular dietary supplements and if they do all that stuff and they actually run clinical studies and they have all that data well maybe they can charge $150 a unit for it. Um, but that, like I said, w those products are few and far between. Um, I think it's called Pendulum is, is the probiotic that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know about the product that, that he's talking about, but the, the Pendulum one is has a team of rock stars behind it. Really? Yeah. Well, there's, there's one of them specifically, Chris Mason. He's out of out of but he's he's done several different studies with nasa he's a big time like genome sequencer uh i think he he's got some sort of affiliation with there's there's like a university in tennessee that has like the ability to tap into like ibm watson in order to do genome sequencing like there's some crazy stuff behind their their abilities so it wouldn't shock me that a product like that could actually be worth like 150 dollars then you look at something like that, like Athletic Greens, which is really popular lately. Um, not yeah. worth $100. No, I'm not doing that. And there's so many, like Joe Rogan spams it. There's a bunch of other companies that do the same thing or, uh, you know, podcasters that do it. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, they, they only know what they know. And if they don't know, you know, about other stuff that's out there, then that's fine. But yeah, there's there's some products that you know when they're asking more than a hundred dollars, there's probably something to it. Yeah, they're, or they're... they might be part of an MLM company and it's a complete sham. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if I'm going to start paying over a hundred bucks for a dietary supplement, like I, some of these test boosters, I remember uh, another brand. I don't know if I should name them or not. Um, pretty sure it's one you've never worked for. Uh, right. But let's just say they were selling it through GNC. And it was a natty test booster that had their little micro encapsulated beads that were selling it for like $160 or $120. Um, it's a natural test booster. I said, I could probably get TRT cheaper than this shit. And that's going to have yes. orders of magnitude more effect than we this. I'm just, I, whew, man. And I know supplements aren't cheap. And I'm fortunate to be able to get most of them sent to me from companies I either work with or just companies that want me to test out stuff. You guys have been very generous and sent me stuff out over the years and whatnot to try and interview and stuff. And that's, I, I realize that's a very, a huge blessing. I'm very fortunate to have that. Just, you gotta, like, Beachbody used to sell that Shakeology shit for $140 and it was an underdose. It was delicious tasting, very poorly dosed with some kind of superfood blend in it and all of that stuff. I just, how do you sleep at night when you do that to customers? I don't, I don't get it. You know, that's, that's one of the things that we are actually talking about a bit before we even started the podcast. You know, there's, there's some great products out there that, you know, may not cost a whole bunch of money. And then there's some stuff that is just complete garbage that is going to sell hand over fist because of like the network or an influencer or whoever they're tapping into yep. where, you know, it's weird because you would think that, you know, in a free market economy, the best products would predominate. However, that's not necessarily the case in dietary supplements. And, you know, eventually we've got to, we've got to catch on to that and make that, you know, kind of how it should be. Cause when it comes to like technology or cars or something like that, well, I don't know. I guess you could say the same thing about cars. I guarantee you for every one Mercedes Benz that is sold, there's about a hundred Kias that get sold. Um, True. And it's not that Kias are the best car. It's just that they're affordable and you know, that it's, it's, it's a low barrier to entry for people to actually, you know, for them actually getting a car. Um, So would it be better to have something than nothing? If, all right, so if we were to bring that analogy over into supplements, you know, uh, people buying Kias are more like, you know, buying something that looks like a Kia, but you get inside and it's made out of cardboard. You know, that that's more of a, f- a fair comparison to like, say, dietary supplements. And then this guy is like, or, or, and they're selling the Kia made out of cardboard at Mercedes-Benz prices. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like over here trying to sell a Mercedes Benz and you're like, that guy's not going to give you a good deal. And they're like, well, I mean, my friend told me to buy this one. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Working man. Car, cardboard box, it costs the same. Yeah, you know, either. Different strokes. Uh, before we move on to the next question, diet, what, what do you typically eat in a day? We did have that. That was the last part of that question. You said it was crap, but how crappy is it? I mean, I will probably get sandwiches probably five days a week here at work. Um, you know, and, and it's just one sandwich. There's not much else to it. And then when I go home, like maybe a bowl of cereal. <laughs> talking like a Subway sandwich, Jersey Mike's or uh I mix it up. up. If you actually look at all the different places that, you know, you can do pickup or delivery, all these things are just sandwiches that morphed into different ways. It's meat and veggies and sauce of some sort covered in bread. Um, So I've got a Schlossky's nearby. I've got Jimmy John's nearby. I've got Subway nearby. I've got Jersey Mike's nearby and I've got apps and rewards and all that stuff for all of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, how do you get your sandwiches? Because this is a this is a talking point Shane and and Lucas brought up when we were talking on Saturday, and they thought I was weird. So when you go to make a sandwich, do you put butter on the bread first? Let's say you're making a sandwich, you're not ordering it out. Do you put butter on the bread first and then some other kind of spread and then all of like the vegetables and meat and cheese and all of that stuff? Buttering first? Exactly. That was my that was my question. They butter first. They they would put butter on that. Do you ever do you have you ever just put mustard on a sandwich or do you always put mayo on it? I'm a mayo guy. Okay. I don't mind mustard, guy. but I'm, my default is mayo. Okay, is it weird to only put mustard on the sandwich as the spread? God, I need another American on the show with me. Okay, because they look at me like I'm the freak that only uses mustard on sandwiches. Yeah, mustard only. Mustard well, like if I'm making like a ham and turkey sandwich at the house, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big mustard guy. I'm not sorry, not a big mayonnaise guy. Unless it's like an aioli, it's like a garlic, like a, a homemade garlic spread or like an herb cream cheese or something. I'm not doing like craft out of the – I can't stand that. You're a mayonnaise snob, and that's understandable with all the different kinds of like different flavored aiolis and stuff that have come into existence. I, I yeah. totally understand that. Yeah, or just I think it's like a huge waste of calories. Eat too. I mean, that's the part of my like OCD orthorexic side of my brain going on. Too. I better get something out of this mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, are there any human studies on PEP2 dye for blood sugar control? I believe there are. There are. Um, here, I'll pull this up for listeners. You drop links in here? Yeah, I got a website. Yeah, they do. Pep2dia.com uh, slash bioactive peptide, how it works. And then you go to this whole site and they will provide references, uh, tells you how it works. Inhibition of alpha glucosidase. So apparently these are, yeah, allanyl prolyl peptides. AP. But one of the things, like I actually had to dig into their research to find the, the cool subsequent effects on the GLP-1. Uh, that's probably, the, I mean, they know for sure that it works on alpha glucosidase, the AP peptides do. Yeah. But you know, the subsequent effects, like I guess it would be like the signaling effects that work with GLP-1. I think that's more of the compelling story behind it because it's that unique mechanism that, you know, is not so prevalent in GDAs that it really could be. Yeah. Um, but Kahaten, if you go here, it'll give you a, kind of a high level breakdown. And if you want to get to the actual studies, they may list them at the bottom of the site and then you can access them that way, or you can email them and they will send them to you. You know, if they're good faith actor, most of them are most of these companies when I've emailed them, Say, hey, I'm looking at this ingredient for a brand or for myself or something like that. They'll usually send you the, the studies. You may have to sign an NDA on some occasions with certain ingredients and certain ingredient houses, but not always. But they will break it down. And these are both a phase one and a phase two trial. So, yes, these are in humans. Part of me sometimes thinks we need to like have a, a podcast be like, Here's how you people need to do research. If you're really looking for information and just showing them the whole back doors and Google Scholar and everything like here. You want to Wonderful. Sci-Hub and drop all the links in there and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sandeep, thoughts on Alpha 365 if you have low testosterone? This is a great first move of going into the right direction. And I say this because there's 
a lot of like simple things that are this is not an earthquake it's me shaking my chair. um <laughs> that you know things like vitamin d and zinc are probably the first two things you need to look into as far as making sure you have sufficient levels before you go advance onto it the thing about alpha 365 it's got all these different considerations for boosting your testosterone and your libido the other thing is that it also takes into consideration is different effects of estrogen, both at the aromatase enzyme that can convert your testosterone into estrogen and also at the estrogen receptor. So, you know, if you're worried about any of those kinds of side effects, we take that into consideration and we block those two different things. Um, but we also make sure that, you know, the simple things like zinc and vitamin D are addressed, you know, early on. If I were you and if you've taken, you know, a blood test and you found out that you do have low testosterone, probably run alpha 365. Now, anything you do for testosterone, you need to run it for three months. A lot of people don't know this, but if you want to have like actual effects as far as like how much sperm you're producing and, and you know, antioxidant health and your testicles and everything and making sure they're, you know, in a right kind of environment, you'll look at a lot of these studies of like the ingredients that are in alpha 365 and the majority of them are 90 day spans because, you know, doing anything in sexual health otherwise is kind of pointless. So before you really want to like dive off into the deep end of like TRT, which I don't dissuade you from doing, um, you know, you may want to run alpha 365, run it for three months and see what it does to your testosterone levels. And if you want to step it up from there, talk to your doctor about what you can do after that. Fair enough. Uh, going back to them, did you run any independent uh like blood sugar monitors using peptide by itself or glucovantage i had somebody else ask me this if i had ever done blood sugar tests with protein bars the uh the other week and i, I didn't just because i'm when i'm reviewing a protein bar i'm not checking for its glycemic load i'm going for pure like taste and texture and that kind of stuff so what about uh you so we actually do have two continuous glucose monitors that are here in house oh, um, cool what Michael found out, because he he wore a Dexcom and he was checking out how his body would respond to, you know, not just taking like our products, but also, you know, eating and, and just doing normal stuff on a daily basis. And he found out that, you know, there's there's normal patterns to the whole thing. Even if you do take a GDA and then you still eat, you know, you're still going to have that rise and fall of blood glucose that mm. is predictable just about each and every time. No. The difference that you're going to end up seeing is, you know, and how much that spike happens and how much that that dip happens afterward. And if you notice those, you know, the, the small variations there, it might be like 10 percent different or 20 percent different. But it's not going to be like you didn't eat anything at all. I mean, there's there's not going to be a GDA on the planet that's going to be that good unless you're you know doing straight insulin, maybe. Correct. Um, so we have the capabilities. I don't no i mean i would have to talk to michael and see what his results were like taking zirion with the the dexcom all wired in mm -hmm. uh but yeah there there's definitely ways to do it um and if you're looking for you know one of these kinds of things you can get what what is it called the freestyle libra that's the otc one that you can get continuous glucose monitor yeah okay yeah, yeah i haven't tried that i've only done the, the i have a finger prick one here I do too from back in the ketone days, but I've, I, when I mess with so many different powders back here, like there's so many times where, you know, I've touched maltodextrin. It's like, oh my God, this is like ridiculously <laughs> high sugar. Yeah. Well, it's because I had a sugary finger to begin with. There you go. Uh, 
Hitman, what's your favorite product that you have made so far, and what's the one you are looking forward to the most? That's really tough because I like a lot of them. Um, I'm still going to have to go with Flight. I think Flight was like the greatest happy accident that we ever, ever made. And I had no anticipation that it was going to work as well as it did at the beginning. I had a concept and everything on paper that, that I really liked. And when, you know, I took the product and other people took the product, it actually performed way better than any of us had ever expected. Um, so I like that one because, you know, it wasn't intentional, but it turned out to be really good. And it's not to say that I don't like, you know, a whole lot of these other products. You know, I, I, I love a lot of them, you know, Neuro 365. I love, uh, Protos. I love, um, this NAD synergy that we haven't dropped yet. I love this one too. Um, <laughs> that's a leak. Anomaly, which hasn't come out yet. I love that one too. Um, I even thought about doing a giveaway of a bottle, maybe two bottles if we want to do that. Sure. Anomaly. So did you just pick random ingredients and said, hey, we're just going to throw out a supplement and see who buys it? No, not on this one. This one was actually kind of neat. Um, but it's only got two ingredients. But one of the ingredients is like uh, you have to have like two and a half grams. So we have like a six capsule dosage on it. Um, and then the other one's not near as high, but it's, it, it's similar because, you know, this anomaly is like our non-hormonal anabolic slash really good anti-catabolic because it does suppress, uh, atrogen one signaling. So that's mm -hmm. one of the things where either people who are like sedentary for like a long time, like old people who have like sarcopenia, muscle wasting and all that, you know, yeah. it kind of like works to, to hopefully like, you know, hold that kind of stuff back. Um, and, and then one of the ingredients was, um, a peptide network, once again, peptides that was, uh, discovered by artificial intelligence and showed that it increased the phosphorylation of the ribosomal subunit SK6 and, you know, had those anabolic things that were going on while at the same time suppressing atrogen one. So I look at this product as something like for anyone who's like in a caloric deficit that actually wants to take something that will help them maintain muscle tissue it's probably really good for something like that or if you're going like full-blown hardcore training every day and you're maybe you're on trt or something like that and you want something that's gonna help keep your gains kind of short up then it's really something like that in that kind of a category but shouldn't i just take hmb free acid i mean there was that study from jacob wilson that said it was just as effective as uh <laughs> oh, yeah we've all seen that study <laughs> That's the, the HMB is the secret to everything. Don't we know that? Oh man. Oh, in the, I found that supplement that Shane sent us. I'm going to, I'm going to share it with you. What is the most you would be willing to pay for a supplement? I mean, you got to come at me with a pretty fucking good basket of goods. Um, EMF. $450 for an EMF protector. Pump the brakes right now. Okay. <laughs> EMF. And it's horsetail, fermented horsetail and spirulina, 400 milligram proprietary blend. Oh Made in Switzerland, God. sold in Auckland, New Zealand. Who's going to pay for this? <laughs> I don't know. A 400 milligram capsule where spirulina is the second ingredient. Yes. Uh, is there any claims on this website about how maybe this magical pill protects us from EMF? I think it's a bunch of borrowed science. So 
It's nothing investigating this actual study. It's some guy that, so I can uh, send this to you and you can read through it and we, we can talk about this offline at another time. But like a self-published inventor interview. So, I mean, you know, yeah. See this kind of, these kind of supplements vent trend off into that weird area like the, the Ben Greenfields of the supplementation industry get to where they start talking about like grounding mats and putting a red light on their ball sack to increase testosterone levels and then putting ice on it and all of this other weird shit. Um, it gets in a really weird space. You can take optimization and supplementation to some very strange extremes. Sure, sure. Structured water and the whole thing, but Jesus Christ, this is this is just horsetail and spirulina. Yeah. Saying it's going to protect you from 5G. And believe 5G is not safe either. Okay, even if it's not, even if it's deadly as shit, horsetail and spirulina are not going to protect you. <laughs> but it just might. Quantum biological effect. Okay, okay. That <laughs> pretty much means placebo effect right there. Yeah. Uh, biological quantum entanglement. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you this, and you can really do a deep dive if you want to. But uh, presidium. That went down on TikTok. My God, yeah, it's it's rough. What my TikTok's for is for just talking shit about shitty products. Tranquility for insomnia. Your thoughts? Well, clearly you've never taken it, or you would have insomnia. No, I'm kidding. Um, Let me pull up so, the supplement facts, and we can go through it too. Uh, okay. Now, I would say that tranquility. You know, you can take it every day, or you can take it until your sleep cycle normalizes itself, and then you don't need it every day. You can just go to sleep, which is kind of the goal of all these sleep products anyway. Um, you know, it also depends on when you go to sleep. If you go to sleep at odd hours, maybe you work like a strange shift or something like that, then, you know, then it's obviously going to be a little bit harder with having natural cues like, you know, sunlight that'll mess with you. Um so when it comes to insomnia, first of all, insomnia is a clinical term. Therefore, I'm not a doctor and nothing I say or do here is to prevent, cure, or treat, or mitigate any kind of disease. If you actually have insomnia, you should ask your doctor about what you should do first. However, we do have a nice combination of instant and time-release melatonin in here, four milligrams. So if four milligrams is too much for you, you could just do a single scoop and not the double scoop of this thing. And you can get a nice instant time release combo at two milligrams. Um, we've got glycine in here. We've got GABA in here. And those two things are inhibitory neurotransmitters that help turn your body down at the end of the day whenever the sun goes down. We've also got things like theanine in here. Also helps calm you down a little bit. Works really well with the GABA and the glycine. Yep. We also have the lactium in here, which is the, the casein deck peptide that Robert was talking about earlier. This also co-binds the GABA receptor but it just feels nice. I mean, I've got a bag of lactium that I keep here at my desk for acute stressful days where it actually, like, I'll fill up a whole gram of this stuff and it it really does really well. And like, if you're having like an acutely stressful day and you want to knock it out pretty quickly, a gram of lactium will shut it right up. Is that on the order of something like Serenity where you just take it and you just immediately, you just chill? Boom. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things. Um, and then it's actually made by the same people that make the Pep2Dia. 
So, you know, the, the lactium, it's, it's another milk peptide, but it's got plenty of human clinical studies, even you know, like for acute stress or people who are quitting smoking. And there's all kinds of different reasons and ways that people use lactium, but we chose to use it in the sleep aid. Um, the fibroria is the source of a compound called tetrahydropalmitine, which is also really, really potent at making your body get all sleepy and drowsy. We increase the absorption of all this stuff with estrogen. Um, apigenin is something that comes from celery. That's another thing that will co-bind the GABA receptor. It's another incredible antioxidant that falls into that same kind of class as bisetin does. Um, but then the Venetron is something that works on serotonin and also co-binds GABA receptor. Mm. The phycocyanin spirulina in here is just for color, just to make it blue. Uh, but the, the huperzine in here is by design to go in there with the choline that's in there, well, higher up in the list. But those two things are in here in combination to help with dreaming. So not only will you get some nice restful sleep, you should get some decently entertaining dreams out of it as well. So that's one of the, like, the, the fringe benefits we tried to throw in here. Yeah. Um... Why is there no Hooperzine in the Glaxon pre-workouts? We've seen every other company under the sun put Hooperzine, like lob anywhere between 50 to 500 micrograms of Hooperzine, which I just think, separate tangent on Hooperzine for a second before I let you answer. Sure. You know, 100 to 200 micrograms for the, the normal healthy individual, I'm fine with. When we start approaching like the 400 to 500 microgram range, yes, that has been studied in humans. But that's in humans that are in severe cognitive decline, not normal, healthy, functioning people like me and Joey and you listening to this. So I just like to tap the brakes when Hooperzine doses get that high in a product that's going to be used multiple times a week, like a nootropic gaming supplement or pre-workout. And some of these are from some fairly prominent figures out in the uh, fitness influencing world and YouTube world. Um, I'll just say that piece. So go ahead and you can roll for uh, as long as you need to, Joey. I think Huberzine A has its place in different things. I think if you're working at like a desk job, you know, and you want to have a little cognitive edge, it definitely fits there. I think if you want to use it to enhance dreaming by enhancing acetylcholine levels in your central nervous system while you're sleeping, I think it fits there. I don't necessarily think that it fits really well with the within the pre-workout space. And this is this is a controversial opinion that I have where, you know, I think that acetylcholine is meant to to go from the central nervous system outward to the peripheral nervous system and have a lot of neurotransmission going on that way so you know that acetylcholine can cross the neuromuscular junction get to the muscle cell and trigger you know some sort of flexion to go on there mm -hmm. that's that's the the brain controlling the muscles and the whole electrochemical part behind actual movement and I think that if you were to take high doses of huperzine, like say in a pre-workout, you're actually going to be compromising the ability for the body to communicate or the brain to communicate to the body. It's really good for enhancing acetylcholine levels in the CNS, which is great for, you know, studying or if you have a desk job or, you know, like I said earlier, if you're trying to do a bunch of lucid dreaming, I think that that, that really fits there. Um, but I think when it comes to being around physical activity, I think you're probably better off without the Hooperzine in that area as opposed to actually having it. Um, and I played with some really high dosages. You know, I, I played with played with a really high dose of Hooperzine with some psychedelics, which you know it, it was fun, but you know it was it was by design and intention because you know when I do stuff like that, I kind of want to remember you know the whole experience and try to try to come away with something out of it. Right. Um, so, uh, but. You know, if you haven't played with high doses of Huberzine, 
I think you you should probably not around your workout, but just to you know kind of see how it how it acts with your body and everything. Because one of the things that I noticed is on a real high dose that my body kind of went into like detox mode, and I was salivating a whole bunch and sweating, and it was like, oh, okay. Well, when you turn it up this high, you know the body doesn't like it as much. But you see other acetylcholinesterase inhibitors that are that are in the same category, like galantamine. Mm-hmm. And galantamine is, you know, you don't need a very, very high dose of that one either. You know, yeah. two milligrams, that's that ingredient is a supplement, but at four milligrams, it's doubling a drug, you know, depending on on where you want to take it. Um, and you certainly can't do it every day. I there was a pre-workout once upon a time that actually had galantamine in it for like a daily use kind of thing. But galantamine, even at that two milligram range, you're not supposed to do it every day because it will mess with your guts and it it will cause like some very unwanted kinds of bubbly and liquidy effects there in the, in the GI tract. Wonderful. Just, just, just what we needed. But if you're a lucid dreamer, go for it. Just don't do it every day. Hayton, I I hope I really am saying this right, because you've asked a bunch of questions. First off, thank you for uh, asking a bunch of questions, but I I hope I'm not butchering your name beyond recognition. Do you think flight influences hormones to a large degree? It would be really interesting to see how much it raises IGF-1 in the body. Maybe not IGF-1. I don't think IGF-1 is really what what it's doing its work on. Does it influence hormones to a large degree? That's yet to be determined. I haven't really done any blood testing, you know, like without and with to, to find out for myself. There's there's some qualitative effects that certainly seem to indicate that it does. Um, and, you know, IGF-1, I, I have an, a product concept that I'm working on for IGF-1. But, you know, raising IGF-1 is, once again, it's, it's a double-edged sword. If you get your IGF-1 levels real high, that's a pretty good biomarker for cancer. And, yep. if, you know... You're, you're playing with IGF-1 like that in that recreational kind of fashion. You're, you're recreationally like playing with your body's ability, you know, to d- potentially develop tumors. And I know it's Correct. really popular in the hardcore bodybuilding scene and stuff, but, you know, those guys are rolling the dice on a whole bunch of other things, not just IGF-1 levels. But, you know, it, IGF-1 is, is a beautiful hormone. It's at that intersection between growth hormone and insulin where, you know, we're really, really could like just unshackle the body on its ability to grow if you have enough of it in your system. Um, you know, is that in flight? Yeah, it's in the colostrum, probably in some trace amounts. You know, um, it is in a DR cap. So we try to get, you know, high bioavailability of these peptides wherever we can. I just don't know how much I would bet on there being a substantial amount of IGF-1 being in flight. Uh, I think more of the magic in flight comes from the orchic extract, which, you know, that was a little bit of a desperation move, but also at the same time, one of the most reliable ways where you can find a natural source of testosterone. And then the the other thing would be uh, the, the algae that's in it and the combination of algae that's in it, because there's some clinicals on that being able to release like stem cells from, from the bone marrow that's been reproduced in dogs, humans, and horses to actually, you know, have blood draws that go on an hour after consumption and you know where they're actually quantifying how much it's increased stem cell output so the repair stuff is great but on on the igf1 side of the spectrum you know i've 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 got something that's been sitting on my bench for years like even before i was even here at, at glaxon where you know i i've got this thing that's like a topical 
that uh, that's supposed to block one of the major binding proteins for IGF one, mm-hmm. and it works. It definitely works. You know, I've I've played with it a few times before, and it'll make you go hypo, and you'll start sweating profusely, and it'll turn up your body temperature. It's oh, it's it's heavy handed, but it, you know, when you have something like that, you're like, how much is this really increasing my cancer yeah. risk right now? <laughs> kind of wonder especially for prostate cancer because igf1 is a real big marker for prostate cancer yeah um i'd like to get your thoughts uh if we wait for a few any more there are questions to roll in on the topic of synergy with ingredients we throw that term around a lot in the supplement industry not just you me like the collective we as an industry do that to where it's, it's often used as an excuse for people to underdose products. They'll put in a gram of citrulline and a gram of arginine, and they'll say, well, we've got synergy going on here, maybe like 250 to 500 milligrams of agmatine. They'll say, oh, well, it's synergy. And I think to a certain extent that could be beneficial. So say, you know, we have 2,000 milligrams of tyrosine. We know that's got some human studies behind it. We do not have studies on a thousand milligrams of tyrosine plus maybe a hundred milligrams of L-dopa from velvet bean extract or some combination of maybe some, you know, reuptake inhibitors complex with that to maybe where we could get a similar effect to that 2000 milligram payload of tyrosine. But we just don't have the, we don't have that, those studies. I doubt we ever will because nobody's running around throwing hundred thousand dollar grants to supplement companies and we're not running 12 week randomized controls trials on this shit. So where, do you think synergy is possible? And I understand most companies use that. They're scapegoating it because they don't want to spend the money on a, a quality formula. But I do think there are some brands that have the in-depth knowledge of how the human body actually works and how our brain chemistry will work. And you can add these things together to get a larger uh, effect than you would seem it on this profile. You're one of those individuals that I think has the brain power to understand how all this shit puts together and does it. But you know, just from your own personal experience and what you, your understanding of the human body, is synergy a thing or are we all just kind of, you know, you know, flying blind at this? I think it is a thing. I think it, it, you got to take a minute like, I mean, we've got a, a, a pretty good amount of products that I would say that do have synergy that within themselves. And then also like even with other products, but you've got to, think of that synergy and get that synergy in mind from the very, very beginning. So, you know, you don't create a product and then, you know, where, where synergy is like your afterthought or your excuse that you're throwing as part of your marketing. Like if, if you're going to claim synergy, you, you better be prepared to back that up with, you know, whatever it is that you're going to be trying to pitch. When you just said about arginine, citrulline, agmatine, like, if you'd asked me five years ago if there could be an, a synergistic effect with those combinations, I'd have said you're probably out of your mind. Yeah. But you know, within the last five years, there actually has been some have been some studies that have shown that citrulline and arginine together actually do have a synergy. Yeah. Um, but it depends on the dose. It it depends on on several different things Correct. that are that taken into account. And if you're going to try to make something synergistic, you probably need to like you know, stay in the product's lane of, you know, of whatever metabolic pathway it is that you're trying to really enhance and and find out the different steps along the way where you can do something in order to, I would say, grease the gears in that direction. So mm-hmm. if you want to like have a shot at synergy, 
not only do you have to understand like the first ingredient that you're using and the endpoint that you're going to, but all the different enzymes and little cofactors and stuff <clears throat> that are along the way that will help that, that ingredient go from like point A to point B. Or in a best case scenario, if it's like a cycle and there's other ways to amplify that cycle a little bit better uh, when it comes down to like breakdown, reuptake, resynthesis, and all those different other steps that, you know, you've got to be doing something in, in each of those different categories or you're going to miss the mark. Um, yeah. So you've got to, you got to understand the, the type of pathway that you're playing with first. And then you've got to understand the, the different enzymes and stuff that are involved and, and how this process is regulated. And then you've got to go on top of that to try to find other ingredients, hopefully natural ones that are in the food supply that can support your, your cause there. And, you know, if you are able to do all those different things, then you probably got a shot at a synergy. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people tout Glaxon synergy probably more than I do, but, you know, I, I try to design things with synergy in mind from the beginning mm -hmm. where I've got a pathway, I've got some sort of uh, a mechanism that's understood <clears throat> and, you know, I, I go all in. You know, if, if you like that Neuro 365 formula, all those different things mm -hmm. that will collectively co-bind the NMDA receptor. Or if you look at Tranquility, where there's once again a basket of goods that will collectively bind that GABA receptor. And, you know, where you could use a lower dosage of one thing or another, even though we don't. But, you know, that's that's why the effects of Tranquility is like so profound, where, you know, you're like, man, I'm getting tired and I really want to go to sleep you know, where you, you, you compel the body to, to, in a way, do as, as you de had designed in the first place. Um, and you just make it too easy. You, you, you take out all the different things that could possibly compromise the effect or, or block it from, from, you know, going full on. And then if you're able to do all those things and do it well, then, you know, then you've got something that, you know, on paper may look completely bogus, but once you actually try it, you're like, okay, all these different things are kind of working together toward the same cause, you know, and, you know, once you've got all these different players that are all working in that same direction, then, then you can hopefully have a chance at achieving it. Very, very well put. Yeah, I always, and that's a, a continual talking point. Whenever we're breaking down another formula or somebody will email me something or just on the backline chat, if I'm, I'm talking with Robbie and, and Lucas on the, you know, the, our uh, final scoop crew, we'll talk about things that that topic comes up for a debate or discussion. We were just talking about it today. Um, and I'm always curious about it because I've talked with you, I've talked with Moody and a few other people that, you know, really understand the inner workings of the human body. I wonder, and it, you know, part of the, the synergy discussion is taking a reasonable leap of, not a leap of faith, but an extension of what you can get. So I'm not going to combine a hundred milligrams of citrulline and a hundred milligrams of arginine and say that's going to give me the same effects as six grams of pure L-citrulline, but maybe something like three grams of citrulline and 750 of nitrosogen could maybe approximate that. Plus if you throw some estrogen in there, might do that or a combination of citrulline and arginine, like you were saying, because there is that study from uh, Keo Oaxaca that came out that showed that citrulline plus arginine was better than citrulline alone, I think. Either one of them. Yeah. Um, like but yeah, you still have to have, you know, a reasonable dose of the other ingredients. If you're going to, go short of what we've kind of established as that standard dose of that single ingredient. You have to have a reasonable dosage of what you're going to combine to get something to approximate the, the fully loaded single ingredient dose. 
or you know or just fully load the whole synergy <laughs> yeah yeah you just just That's max cool. out that goes everything so do you know four to six grams of citrulline 1500 nitrosagene and then you know yeah you know so so forth I, I think that's like the probably the safest route to go but i i you know i find that it would be interesting to, for people to actually have some studies run on like an ingredient lowering kind of a uh like an investigation where you know say you are looking at six grams of citrulline versus you know three grams of, of citrulline versus with uh, another gram and a half with some sort of arginine source, whether it's, you know, nitrosogene or nitrate or what have you, yeah. or even AKG, um, where, where you could probably see, you know, where you don't need as much and, you know, you can get the same kind of effect. I love all Kiowa studies because, you know, I, I think what's most relevant is like the NOx species and the CGMP levels, um, you know, where mm -hmm. those are, pretty much your main contributors to overall nitric oxide levels. So if, if you're going to do something like that, it would be fair to, to measure based on the same parameters of, of other studies. So we have some sort of like, you know, a, a consensual baseline for us to establish these, these dosing reductions. Agreed. One thing uh, before we move off the nitric oxide uh, discussion, arginine nitrate. So you get the nitrate component, you're getting the arginine. Does the arginine survive? And this is something I can't find anywhere, and I'm hoping you can maybe shed some light on it. Does the arginine survive the tumultuous pathway through the GI system, kind of like it does in the case of uh, nitrosogene, to where it actually promote, like it, it'll get into circulation and help boost nitric oxide levels, or is it the sacrificial lamb there and it gets gobbled up and, and broken up by arginase? Do we know that? Do we have any data on that? I think arginase is, is pretty well active and I think it would be fair to like compare it to just the straight arginine study because, you know, once arginine nitrate gets into the gut, you know, the, the nitrate and the arginine are going to go their separate ways. Right. And, you know, that's probably going to be the, a similar story with like nitrosogene. But, you know, one of the things you want to do is you want to consider like some sort of arginase in addition, whether that's citrulline or whether that's norvaline or, or what have you, mm -hmm. or, or if you you're fancy and live in Georgia and omega hydroxy nor L arginine. Um, that one, that one's one of the most elusive uh, arginase inhibitors I'm yet to find. But you know, some people claim that they've got it, which is you know good for them. <laughs> some Pretty some sure people that are in Georgia, I, I can only imagine to to which entities we're referring. Stress and feeling lethargic. Man, that sounds like a. Uh... Teeing up uh, serenity. Well, it, it, you would think it would be teeing up serenity, because I, I I would think that serenity would probably increase the lethargy and something. Now, how can you also be like lethargic and stressed at the same time? It's like oh, I wish I could move. You know, that would, that I guess you're just so stressed, like you just you're saying you're you're in fuck it zone at that point. You're just like I'm so stressed. I you're almost kind of like paralyzed by the feelings of like anxious nervousness stress like to where you're damned if you do damned if you don't so i'm just gonna you just kind of throw up your hands and say you know fuck i would probably say like a low dose serenity kind of thing because if you do that full three caps every day then boy that stuff builds up and then you don't have like any urgency to do anything um i get by with like one to two caps of serenity a day um if you check it out go to blacksun.com black backslash serenity use code savage checkout you can get 20 percent off but this thing is really nice um we came up with this like right at the beginning of covid because we figured a lot of people would be freaking out for no reason um so you know we made this this cortisol and stress product 
Now, when you're looking at like the worry end of it, I would say that this is really good for knocking that out. However, if you end up doing like the full dose, you may be just as lethargic as you were, you know, with the stress. However, the only difference is you just don't have the stress anymore. Um, so I don't know. It, I feel like the stress and lethargy is a bit of a tightrope. And he's insomniac. Same guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a high stress individual who's burning the midnight oil with his job. I would, you know, just starting out, I would say like the tranquility, serenity, think of the sleep cycle, right? Make sure a stress is well, well controlled. And then from there, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, waking up on time and, and doing things when you need to do them and not being so lethargic about it. Um, I mean, that's essentially what, you know, caffeine's kind of for, you know, as far as like the get up and go and get shit done. Um, but, you know, I, I would probably say that this guy probably would start out with like a serenity tranquility combo just making sure that you know he gets to sleep right and if he does have like acute stress or something during the day that he will have the tools that he needs to deal with it yeah um sandy and i have personally gone through two bottles of this stuff between us you know um nothing but good thumbs up for this uh it's this nice product. to have yeah yeah it's it's outstanding um no, no, no complaints with this one whatsoever. Nothing but uh, praise for this bottle in particular. Uh, one thing I'm curious about with the the magnolia extract, uh, a lot of the studies that show in that it's uh, anti-stress benefits are with its uh, complexed or packaged alongside philodendron extract under the uh, brand name Rolora, and the studies are that. So when you were putting this together, was there any thought to adding the philodendron, or is that really not the main driver of the the relaxation and anti-stress benefits is it mostly the magnolia the driver behind that blend in your opinion i would definitely say that the magnolia is probably the main driver in that blend um and and that's why we went with something that was you know a 90 percent specification on this one because we we believed in it wholeheartedly the other thing is magnolia and pinocchio all have jobs outside of the stress world too i mean mm -hmm. I, I think they're both uh histone deacetylase one inhibitors too so you know there's some fringe benefits there you know for your overall chromosomal health uh the philodendron and relore i believe is a natural source for berberine which you know has its place in several several different products i just didn't think that 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 combination made sense for this product right. um especially when you got plenty of other major players that are there for for stress like the shodan that's in there Correct. i mean yeah that if, if I were to like rebuild Relora, I would probably have done it with, you know, Magnolia Ashwagandha. That would have been, you know, way more relevant to the stress world than, you know, tossing somebody a stress product and it's got berberine in it. And then it just raises a bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, the quercetin for the uh, listeners that may not understand why that's in there. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? So between the quercetin and the Magnolia, there was two different enzymes that were involved in the cortisol production pathway. There was one that was 11-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase, and I think that that one was addressed with magnolol but the quercetin was for a more obscure enzyme where I think cortisone, no, it was, it was something else. There was a different hormone that could be converted into cortisol, but it was a, a much more unlikely than just going through the very straightforward 11-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase pathway. Um, 
there's a video on here where I actually cover the exact pathway where we're talking about, you know, the two different ways of in, inhibiting cortisol production. Boom. It's when I didn't have, I had just cut all my hair off because all the hair cutting places were closed for CV. What molecule is that on your forearm right there? That one is uh, dextroamphetamine, throwback to the college days. The left arm is ephedrine, and then the <laughs> shoulders are uh, adrenaline and DMT, and I have testosterone on my back. Outstanding. Yep. Outstanding. Um, there are so many different ashwagandha extracts on the market right now. We've got ashwagandha, we got KSM, we got Sensoro, we've got Nuganda. I know there's another one. Say it again. There's four of them. There's what you said, Sensoril, KSM, Shodan, and Shodan. Uganda. There's four. Okay, I thought there was a fifth one, maybe. I um, mean, there's 2.5% with analyte that's out there, but it's not trademarked or anything. Yeah, it's a generic. So there's like a five, there's a 10, there's a 35. There's one that doesn't specify anything as far as with analytes, and then there's 2.5 that's also out there. Yeah, we went with Shodan on this one because no one had really latched onto it yet in sports nutrition. Right. And I like the 35%. It's the most potent ashwagandha that's on the market currently. Yeah, it is. And this stuff is fantastic. Um, there's a couple of anti stress or just kind of chill out supplements that Sane and I go to whenever uh, in laws come calling. Or those, oh, yeah. those kind of home home ventures where you have to go back and see like 18,000 people in the span of a day and a half. And we, we load up on this one and one other product, which I've mentioned many other times on other live Q&As that we've, we've done before. And uh, yeah, we, we always pack either this or that one with us when we go. Absolutely. So. Like I've used this, used Serenity in the exact same scenario when you're dealing with in-laws. And it's like, you know, or, or just anyone where, you know, they might, you know, try your patience, you know, but if you, if you take a really good cortisol blocker before you go into one of those kind of social settings, you're just like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Creamy. What's up guys. I love seeing Joey and Rob together. Well, you know, I'm just here for the nerdiness. Joey is here for the knowledge and the looks. So creamy nitrates are amazing, but is there a dosage post yield percentage one should look for when taking a product that has one. I touched on this a bit on Saturday. Uh, I think if you, it's between 300 and 900 milligrams of active nitrates, you can maybe go a little bit higher. Nobody puts it on their label. Correct. And that's where you've got to do your own little calculating and figuring. If you yes. go to my Instagram, I've got a really nice chart on there where I've got all the different nitrates broken down by percent nitrate. So, you know, for if you're if cream on her, if you if you are on Instagram, go check out at supplement lab. I think like three or four posts down, I've got a little nice table where where I've done this where I, so yeah, I mean, most people want to take between, you know, half a gram and a full gram of nitrates. Um, I Oh, shit, you found it quick. Well, you, you sent it to me a while back, and I've always had it saved because I, I pulled it up this past weekend because we had a nitrate question. Um, so I thought, let, let me let me borrow this from Joe. And every time I pull this up, I'm, I make sure to give you credit because I'm not sure where you found all these percentages, but it's amazingly helpful. I just did math, and I made this chart because I felt like it needed to exist. But you know, those top two, those are your, those are your most nitrate-dense forms of, of the NO3T family. 
Um, you can't you can't quite see on on our screen, but at the bottom there's like arginine and citrulline, which are actually like the lowest two. I want to say like twenty five percent. Yeah. Um, so you know this this is one of the ways you can you know try to figure out what's going on or, or what's most efficient. Um, I think there's not a whole lot of people that are playing with sodium potassium nitrate. Purist Labs is right now. Yeah. Um, no one's messing with glycine nitrate. Understandable because you know it's a downer. Beta alanine nitrate, well, you're going to end up hitting the ceiling on nitrate before you hit it on beta alanine. Plenty of people on betaine nitrate, glaxon included. Norvaline nitrate, I haven't seen anyone play with. Uh, creatine nitrate, I've seen. Leucine, I've seen. Actually, I've seen all of the branch chains. Nobody's played with ornithine nitrate. I've seen a proline nitrate, I think. Yeah, that, that one's out there, too. But you know, it's it's going to depend on how big you know the the carrier molecule is going to be. If you're dealing with an amino acid, you would probably want to deal with a small amino acid. You know, glycine in this case being the smallest of all all the potential you know different aminos you could have carrying nitrate. It's just that it's it's just kind of a bummer because glycine's a, a little bit of a downer, even though it packs a big nitrate punch. Yeah. Um, but sodium, potassium, those are those are going to be the top two. Yeah, and we don't see a lot of brands use those for whatever reason. It's always the the amino bound nitrates. It does Thermolife own all of them, including sodium and potassium nitrate, or is it just the amino bound nitrates? One hundred percent, and all the uh, the plant variations too. Okay, even something like arugula, because I thought Creative Compounds had Nitro Rocket, but they don't anymore. Do they not? I, I haven't checked that. I haven't used that ingredient in a long time or seen it, so. Well, and it's hard because the yields on those things are, are pretty low. I don't want to say that those are like maybe 15% at the maximum on nitrates, uh, at least from, from the different vegetable forms that I've seen. I've seen some beets get up to 15%, but they, you know, lose all their color and they still taste earthy. There's, there's plenty of stuff where, you know, that, that the, the vegetable derived ones don't quite make sense, but some people try. The, and, you know, the amino acids are a great way to go because you can get some fringe benefits of, of whatever's carrying it. Or if you just want to be a purist and go the sodium potassium route, those are also pretty potent. Correct. Yeah. Um, buy it as a non-dietary supplement and, you know, look online for something called saltpeter. <laughs> yeah. That's what I pulled it up on Saturday. I said you can find potassium nitrate on Amazon, bulk powder of it. Yeah, uh, it's not a trademarked ingredient. So if you wanted to doctor up your own nitrates, you can just find it not in the supplement. Very possible to do that. Um, we've had Joey on for two hours, guys. I don't want to completely abuse him even any more than I already have. So uh, this will be the last call for any other uh, comments or questions you guys have for uh, Joey. Um, is there an upper threshold you typically don't exceed with the actual nitrate yield, Joey? I, I, like I've extrapolated from the millimoles in the, the nitrate uh, meta-analyses and systematic reviews that I've seen. And it's somewhere in like the 300 to 900 milligram range, maybe up to 1,000 milligrams. But have you gone higher than that? Or have you, you know, seen some literature that has gone beyond that level? I've personally gone higher than that. <clears throat> I would not recommend it because <laughs> nitrate, you know, if it's not tied to a salt, and if you have like nitrate that's in like water, for example, you create something called nitrate acid you know and it will mess you up if you do a high enough amount and there was one time where i did a high enough dose of nitrates where when i would breathe out my exhalation like it would 
palpably burnt the insides of like my nostrils and everything. But when you're detoxing nitrate very quickly, like that's the only way that you can get rid of the excess is through breathing or it, the rest of it's just stuck in your body and you're going to end up losing blood pressure. But, yeah. you know, I had to, I had to, you know, chill myself out in a meditative state and breathe out all that heat and everything and drink plenty of water and just try to detox it through my system. So I've, I've played with the upper end of that. Thank God I didn't go to the hospital, but you know, I'm, I'm still alive. You know, there's, yeah. there's a good thing about that. If you are taking nitrates, make sure that you take some sort of good antioxidant, whether that's vitamin C or whatever, um, you know, just cause you don't want that to happen. But other than that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a two cycle phase that happens cause you swallow nitrates, your body recognizes them. It doesn't have really many, if any enzymes to really break them down, but the bacteria in your mouth sure do. So it will pump that into your mouth. They break it down into nitrite. But then at, once you have nitrite, which is an oxygen less than nitri or nitrate, you can actually, your enzymes can break that down. But it's very reactive. And, you know, it can, it in some cases, if you don't have enough antioxidants in your diet, it can, you know, oxidize your proteins. Specifically, tyrosine residues are vulnerable to this. And that's where you get like some of your more holy granola crowd talking about increases in gastric cancer and stuff because of the formation of nitrosotyrosines. Yeah. Uh, and also don't abuse mouthwash because that will kill a lot of the bacteria that's converting nitrates into nitric oxide either. So yes. Thoughts on agnetine sulfate. I don't think you use it in your formulas. Beep beep. All right. So yeah, we don't really use it in a whole lot of our formulas. I do think it has like a purpose for, for ammonia decontamination, kind of like how ornithine does in its ability to regulate that. I think it has a place there. I think it has a place in the cognitive realm. Um, but as far as like in, in pumps and everything are concerned, I don't really see it as being necessary. Um, I think what we've achieved in, in like plasma surge or non-nitrate based formula, I think we've, we've, done a pretty good job on that as far as finding like a, an actual synergy that does work. Um, and, you know, I find that the pumps that you get from a combination of stuff like that are very, very different from nitrates. They're, yeah. they're almost like they, they have like different textures. You know, I feel like a nitrate pump is it certainly decreases blood pressure a lot more. And but the ability to keep that pump like localized in, in various muscle groups and stuff, I, I don't feel like it's it sticks with you as long as like an arginine citrulline based pump. Um, you know, I, I think it, it nitrates will certainly take the teeth out of stimulants if you want to do that. But as far as like the pumps you get, they're more fleeting than, than like arginine citrulline based kind of pumps, but they each have their place in, in different ways. And if you're a glutton for punishment, you can go ahead and do both. Yeah. So what you got the plasma caps for stack that with plasma surge and uh, it's, it's, exceedingly or deceptively potent. Like you look at the, the plasma surge label and you look at it and then you try it. And like I've said so many times when I try a Glaxon product, you look at it and you say, okay, let's take this for a ride. And then you, at, after you finish using it, you go, son of a bitch. That was pretty awesome. It's one of the most boring labels we have. Yeah, but the, the effects, it's great. The pumps <laughs> on it are, are to, to a person that I've spoken to that's run the product and given it you know, a, a very good run through the course fantastic pumps on it and performance with it. So, yeah. And, and uh, I think a lot of people like Agmatine a lot because it does have some limited data on 
stimulation of endothelial nitric oxide synthase and maybe help inhibit some arginase a little bit, but as to the order of magnitude of effect of that, it's you know not not nearly as strong, I don't think, as we think it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cost effective. I mean, like the inflation and, and the price increases on agmatine aren't near as effective as much like citrulline is right now. I mean, right. there's. I think we'll see people get a little bit more flexible in some of their formulas due to economic pressures and all this different kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, you know, that's going to happen. Maybe we'll see some absurd agmatine dosages, like three grams agmatine. Right. There, there is one human study on three grams. I think that was for neuropathic pain, though. For yeah. people that had lumbar uh, spinal surgery or something like that. Uh, creamy in terms of nitrates is a threshold one should not pass in terms of active night yield of nitrates. I know Muscle Beach pumping iron has five grams nitrates pre. I don't think they're yield. I don't think it's yielding five grams of active nitrates. That's the total. Like if you add up the arginine nitrate, the betaine nitrate, the proline nitrate, all that, you're getting five grams of the amino bound nitrates. But the active nitrate yield is, I think it's north of a gram. Um, plus, it's also got iron in there, which I've gotten a bunch of questions about, and I haven't found a good thing, at least in my hunting. It's, it hasn't been that extensive, but maybe you could shed some light on that. I mean, you'd have to look at more physical chemistry instead of organic chemistry because, you know, that's that's an acid-catalyzed breakdown of making, I mean, making rust, and, is, and the byproduct of that is actual nitric oxide gas. Like, it's it's a pretty genius move it's it's low tech and it's probably highly efficacious i haven't tried it yet personally but when i saw that i was like that's pretty fucking genius <laughs> yeah i mean i didn't even think about it from that point i was trying to find like some mechanism in the body like iron is supporting actual endogenous nitric oxide production in some capacity and just simpler than that okay I mean, all right look at it, it, it yeah it, it makes sense but yeah it, it's I would I would wager that that's probably one of the faster ways to make nitric oxide inside a human body. There you go. All right, Joey, we've gone two hours and fifteen minutes. I hope I didn't keep you too long. I'm sorry if I did. Too late for me to apologize now. Probably. I just I guess I won't hear from you for another year and a half for uh, abusing <laughs> your time. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything you want to to plug shame uh, shamelessly plug before we uh, put a bow on this thing and send it out the door? Um, if you haven't tried our protein protus way, I recommend that you try that one out because it, it's so fucking good. Um, and, and more than just flavor, you get a lot out of it for what you spend. Um, I will give away an unreleased bottle of anomaly on this show. Um, I will let you pick whatever viewer you would like to bestow that upon. Um, and then one for yourself as well. You're the best Joey. Uh, do you want me to pick it now or do you want me to do it offline to, uh, I mean, if they're online right now and they've hung with us for the two hours, I think they deserve to know now, whoever it is. All right. I, I mean, th there were a lot of people that, that stayed with us for the whole time. I feel like we need to give it to Hitman, THR1 okay. Hitman, who was an early listener and kind of kept through the whole way. All um, right. Unless, we'll do, is he in Australia? I don't know because we're only doing U.S. customers only. Uh-huh. Uh, Do you have a lot of international people on here? This is amazing. 
I do. That's what I'm surprised. Like we get a lot of people from India. We got a couple of people from Poland. I mean, Lucas is from Poland, so that, that makes sense. We get some there, but we get people from all over. Um, we have a lot of people stateside too, but we get, I've, I've checked some of the metrics on like uh, Apple iTunes or some of the background podcasts on Podbean, which is where I host the podcast for the audio versions. It's weird mm-hmm. where you see like little listeners like pop up, like I'll have like five people in Azerbaijan or something like that. It's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, TR Hitman, uh, you can send me that. If not, I will pick another person and uh, I'll follow up with them offline and, and get you the address. So, all right, uh, Hitman, if you hear this, shoot me an email to the supplement engineer at gmail.com and uh, you're the lucky winner. And then, Joey, you, you earlier you mentioned a discount code. Was that serious or were you joking or tongue in cheek or do you want to mention oh, that again for people to help that? Savage at checkout. If you buy anything Glaxon, use my last name, Savage, S-A-V-A-G-E. Then uh, I think it's 20% off. It's like uh, one of the best codes out there. And if you didn't know about it, now you know about it. I'll add that to the show notes on the uh, audio and the uh, visual one as well. Um, Joey, thank you so much, man. I I love our chats, both uh, through text conversations when we've had it. You've also given me some excellent business advice along the way over the years. Uh, anytime I get to pick your brain is a, a true pleasure, man. So thank you for your, uh, your incredible generosity, your knowledge, uh, friendship, and all of that. And then, uh, any departing words? Nope. Uh, that, I think we're good. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, man. Thank you. Have a great night and uh, Merry Christmas. You too.